What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. How's scouting for you this year so far? Horrible. Really? <laughs> I haven't been once yet. Really? Yeah. Not even making the time to get up the mountain. Uh, I, you can't. Yeah. Like, I mean, I could be up scouting some stuff. Somewhere. What I could get to, but it's, you know, the chance of me finding something I want to hunt and it actually staying there until August is pretty slim. So <laughs> I'm just kind of focusing on a few other things until, Yeah. I, it's probably at least going to be another two weeks. It's definitely not how I thought this season was going to go. I had plans of, you know early june like last year you know being able to just get up there early and <laughs> diving and, uh, in yeah just get on you know hit it hard get on top of it right away and it's just not well last year was lucky because i mean you and i made a couple trips and we were we were up high but not up high enough still where snow was a big obstacle right, right but even then like first of june you could get into almost 75 percent of and then it wasn't, you know, a couple of weeks probably after that that everything was accessible. Yeah. But this year, it's it's insane. Like, I didn't even make it. I was up last weekend. I didn't even make it up above, I think, 7,600 feet. And there had to have been, on the north slopes, there was at least six feet of snow still. Six to eight feet and just covered. Like, it's, there's so much ground covered in snow still. It's, Where, it's unreal. And it's not getting warm. It was, uh, I don't even think it got out of the 60s up there last weekend yeah i think when we were coming home uh going over donner pass it's like 68 degrees or something at mm-hmm. two o'clock in the afternoon and uh yeah there was still ice in the mornings up there the puddles and small lakes were freezing over still at night the no the way snow, oh yeah it was rock hard it was freezing every night that's so, crazy yeah it's just it's a slow process this year the trailhead where i like to hike into is still 12 miles before you can get to before it. Before you can get to it, yeah. And it, it's 12 miles of snow. Yeah. I mean, maybe not when you come out. Well, there'll be pockets here and there. Yeah, where you could. But, you know, as far as I know, a lot of, you know, UTV vehicles and stuff like that haven't been able to get back there yet or yeah, anything. And usually by the 4th of July weekend, everything's open. Oh, yeah. Well, there was one lake that I got up to um, that there was... There was three trucks there, and they had that whole place to themselves, the entire lake, the whole basin, everything, and they they were in rock crawlers, and that was the only way they got in there. And you could only come in one direction, and I was surprised they even made it over all that snow to get in there, but they had some pretty badass rigs, and they had that whole place to themselves. That's crazy, man. It's so insane just because, like, it snowed all the way, it was snowing in May? Or was it just raining Oh, yeah, no, we had had, a record May. Yeah. The last two weeks of May, we got, like, seven or eight inches of rain here yeah and, and it kept snowing yeah, up top like feet, feet. Of, yeah feet of snow they kept getting yeah at the end of may and it's yeah it was it was unreal what and what's funny is even you and i have talked about this too it's like how how so many people are like oh antler growth this year is going to be so great and everything's going to be so great and it's like dude there is so much water and so much green and so much everything I think it's going to be really hard to find. Yeah. Well, I wish I would have had 
we wish we would have had this rain last year. Yeah, in the desert. Yeah, in the desert, it would have been, it could have been prolific. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. It would be interesting to see, yeah, the difference mm -hmm. for sure from one year to the next. I got up there once this year and, and looked around and, you know, hard to say this early in the year, but I think there should be some some pretty good bucks coming out of the desert this year for yeah. sure. Especially even Southern California is going to probably produce some. Yeah. Some pretty good bucks. Well, you know Marlin is going to find some, like, monstrosity oh, he always, yeah, buck. he always does. Yeah. <laughs> well, people don't... I don't think people give Southern California D-zone hunting enough credit. I think that there's a lot of good stuff out there, but you really have to put in months of effort in order to make it happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, anywhere in California, you have to put in the work. Yeah. I'm not going to... Uh, speculate too much on trophy <laughs> quality in, in areas I don't yeah. you know that's up to yeah. people to figure out on their own but yeah no there's some spots in Southern California that people do really well in that are pretty much unknown to a lot of people but one of, one of these days that's on the bucket list one of these go years down there is, yeah Marlon's actually invited me a couple times to oh, come really? down there and and go hunt with them and I, i'd love to take take him up on that yeah one of these years and uh get down there and experience that because i mean yeah that'd be badass <laughs> archery. i mean we don't ever get to hunt the rut up here on the general tag right so yeah that would be that would be awesome down there down for there and, sure then. yeah get there and break out the big glass and i couldn't even now for a hunt like that would you be using more than just a spotting scope or would you be using like those enormous binoculars that are 45 pounds and a monstrosity oh uh, yeah like the new btx's or yeah the swarovskis yeah um i i would definitely want to have at least a pair of 15s mm -hmm. for sure i usually i don't even have a pair but if i was going to be hunting that type of country a lot yeah i would you you got to have some big glass out there because those deer they're pretty pretty spread out anyway mm-hmm so you got to be looking at a ton of country, yeah, to to really be proficient at it, and that, and just putting in the time, scouting and learning the the habits and finding water, and you know that can really probably mess up that desert down there when you get big rain years and you got water everywhere. Well, that's what this year had to be like for them, because I feel like they were just still getting rained like three weeks ago. Yeah, they'll probably get more monsoon rain too this summer throughout the whole summer, but. Yeah, it was a super bloom year down there. They had they, the pictures were insane from the the flowers, yeah, dude. The, yeah, all the wildflowers going off down there. It was. Do you know how many people that would be were getting injured? Getting injured? Yeah. No. Like, doing what? Ungodly amounts. People were like going to these wildflower blooms on on uh, cliffs and like dangerous <laughs> topography that they probably shouldn't be wearing city shoes in. You know, they should have hiking boots. Right being prepared but it's all these city folk coming out and taking selfies <laughs> falling and off falling cliffs. off cliffs <laughs> one of my buddies is telling laughing, me but... <laughs> <Serves> some right <laughs> but like one of my buddies told me in one day there's like 95 ambulance calls what? to people that's falling insane. off the edge of a mountain like i don't know i think that's great but the yeah the wildflowers this year was, were insane everywhere yeah. yeah not just down there yeah. i mean everywhere yeah, even up here, even, yeah, in the mountains, just everywhere. I mean, it's still, it's just coming up. I mean, it's springtime up in the mountains. I mean, we got home and uh, last night from our little four-day trip we had up there, and it was, uh, 
it, was, it felt like summer finally at home, which we haven't even really had any summer days it felt like here. Nice warm weather days. But, uh, yeah, up there it was like the grass was just popping up, the snow, you could just see where the snow had just melted off. Really? Yeah, it's just, it's fresh up there. Well, it's so nice too when you're up there and the snow's just melting and it's before everything grows and you can actually see. You know, you like walk through the forest and you're like, wow, I can see 200 yards through the trees. Because nothing Yeah, because like, the brush hasn't even started yeah, to leaf out yet. Shot up yet. Yeah, the corn lilies, you know, which are normally four feet tall. They're just little six inch shoots sticking up out of the ground. I hate that stuff. Do you? It's so loud. Uh, well, I guess when it dries out. Yeah. When it Come rifle season. When it flowers, though, which is weird. Like, I don't know if you've ever paid attention. Like, the yeah. hundreds and hundreds of them, and like only one out of a couple hundred flower. Yeah really cool white uh, flowering head on top of it they're pretty good looking yeah yeah man I love the Sierras in the spring and the and the early summer is amazing yeah it's gonna be an awesome summer up there mm-hmm. and fall it's gonna feel like summer all fall I don't, yeah. even, I don't know that it's really gonna even brown up up there mm-hmm. it might not it's yeah I think it's just too much snow. just too much snow it'd be nice to get a a few more thunderstorms up there too it's it's nice yeah. to yeah keep it going i wonder if we're gonna have to worry about much like lightning fires this year um I, it's hard to say mm-hmm. i remember uh i thought i read something earlier well maybe it was in the middle of winter or something that they said this summer was going to be abnormally hot and so far that hasn't happened yet so right they always like to tell us things that aren't happening yeah i just roll with it and it is what it is. See how it goes. Exactly. If it gets hot, it gets hot. If not, then the snow won't melt and there'll be some glaciers left up there. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a, there's a couple cornices that I've seen that are just... Yeah, oh, there's going to be snow left this year, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like when I was nice. a kid, there was always snow left up in the mountains. Yeah, there was always a few patches Yeah. here and there. The last 15 or 20 years, it hasn't been that way as much. Well, you know, and I kind of hit the Sierras a lot more... You've hunted it like continuously yeah. longer than I have. Well, just in the same spot from though. about 2011 or 12 to to recent, you mm-hmm. know, is when I've kind of spent a lot of my time up there. And uh, you know, the first four or five years of that was just drought. Yeah, where it was, yeah, you know, you could go backpacking <laughs> in, in February up there and it's 7,000 feet and not have any snow. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was. It's uh, it's totally changed the last couple of years. So. It's so funny, man. It's been that short of a time period for you hunting up there. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I started, you know, whatever. I mean, up where I was this weekend, I was just, just thinking about, that's like where I, the first few places that I hunted. Really? In the, I guess that'd be the late 90s. Uh-huh. And uh, that's pretty much where I learned to, to hate bow hunting. <laughs> <laughs> In the mountains was up there. It just used to drive me nuts. And I was like. Just looking around at those hills, I'm like, yeah, this is this is where I was when I said, fuck this Re-earned place. Re-earned your stripes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it's nice to get back up there. I was trying, to, I was eyeballing a few spots to take my boy up there. And... Did you find? Did you see any bucks while you were up there? Or? No, I. Uh, we pretty much stayed at the cabin. Oh, cool. Where we were well, we were in our tent, but there's yeah. a cabin on this lake up there, and uh, we were up there with a bunch of friends, and it was oh, it was nice. a family thing. We yeah. Stayed there and hung out with friends and hung out at the lake and. Went uh, metal detecting and. Did you find anything? Oh yeah, place is just riddled with shit. It's anything good? Oh no. Well, the oh. kids thought it was awesome. 
they're like treasure up, yeah, salt shakers and like door hinges and nails and washers and pieces of pipe and just it's an old uh there was an old ranch up there from probably like the late 1800s and it's just been slowly uh kept up well they built a a nicer cabin on the place and uh, but still in the far back of the property there's just these old buildings and this big meadow and there's just there's just shit everywhere so oh really and one of the guys brought a little metal detector and oh yeah it was a blast the kids loved it going did up you there. find any old bottles with caps still on them or anything no, like the, that the salt shaker pepper shaker whatever yeah. it was that was the only thing only piece of glass we found that uh was recognizable there's one like i'm sure there's some good stuff up there somewhere yeah there's there's one lake that I've hunted that you have to pack into, and I've found old cabins, and I can only reason why I can find them is from the roofs, mm-hmm. that are still, you know, laying on the ground. Yeah, laying on the ground, <laughs> and I'll dig around in them, and my favorite thing is finding full bottles, you know, brown bottles or whatever kind of bottles, and the odd shapes and yeah, you know, whatever they had in them. It's always so like just stop and put everything down and dig through someone's oh, it's, old it's crazy yeah a lot of that country up there it's got a lot of history like, yeah there was towns up there yeah in the 1800s at seven eight thousand feet they're up there trying to find the mother load the gold baby which that didn't last very long so no they all died yeah figured out that the other was no gold up there fucking little, ate each other <laughs> they were a little too high right but in altitude yes in altitude well yeah i don't know you never know yeah yeah there is that. Yeah. That's right. what they brought with them across the, the prairie. Who knows? Hops. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Ditch weed, whatever. Tinctures. Yeah. All the women would drink opium tinctures. Yeah. Get lifted. <laughs> different time. There were no different nose. Could you imagine, though, coming across the Sierras in a wagon? Or trying to get across... The, the Rockies all the way to the Sierras and into the Sacramento I think Valley. The, I think the, the Great Basin would be the worst. Yeah. I mean, I, every time I drive through Nevada, I think, Jesus Christ. How do you do how this? How do these people come through this desert, you know, from Utah, from Salt Lake City to, to Reno? Yeah. You know, just <laughs> barren ass, nothing. I no mean, water. Yeah. Indians chasing them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that had to have been. That, to me, probably would have been the hardest part. I mean, like, yeah, getting up over the Donner Pass with no road, just trailblazing with a wagon, that would be Could a you task. Imagine but, you know, that? you had deer running around, and you had water, and you had, you know... Yeah. You could chill out there in the... Unless the... there's a snowstorm coming. Right, well, then you just eat each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't have a weatherman back then, so... They didn't know. They didn't even know what time of year it was, probably. Yeah, they probably had some sort of idea, but... Pioneering. Rough existence, man. Yeah, that's why they only lived to like what, thirty-five? Is that the average? Age? They weren't living that they late. They weren't living long. At least no. not not the ones that were doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> that's such rough business. It's crazy when you hear stories of people that like go on a hunt or a hike. And this happened, I wanna say it was in Yellowstone just a couple years back, maybe in thirteen and some dude found an old lever action that was propped up against a tree. Oh yeah, that, that was, was from the eighteen hundreds. Uh, I think that was in that Great Basin National was it? Park. Yeah. Oh okay. I knew it was saw in one yeah, of the national just parks up against the tree. And oh, you know, there's more out there. Everywhere. Yeah. There has to be. There's. There, I don't understand. Like there can't not be. Right. You know. It's crazy. Yeah, it was a different time. 
That's for sure. Look at all the old bucks from back then, and it's just like... <sighs> what a time it would have been alive to hunt. Yeah, to actually be able to pick and choose back then. Mm -hmm. Go shed hunting back then. Yeah. <laughs> right? I wonder what the biggest elk sheds would have been back then. Bigger know. than today or maybe not? It's hard to say. I, yeah. You know, I'd say on average, I mean, I wouldn't say they were probably a lot bigger, mm -hmm. but there was definitely more bigger ones than yeah. what they're running around now. Yeah. I don't want to say there's probably not 300-inch mule deer running around everywhere, but there's only ever been a few of those ever Did recorded. you see the one from last year? Which one? The, the archery? Yeah, the archery yeah. buck from Colorado. Funky looking. What'd you think? What'd What'd you think? Of, <laughs> you want to it's, talk it's about that buck? It's confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a well, it's a hell of a buck. It's I a mean, hell of a buck. First off, yeah, um, but it's definitely got some interesting character to it. Yeah, it's not not the norm. When I looked at it's, it, it's hard to see. Like in the, you have to look at several photos of it to really get an idea of. And then it's still hard to hard to. That that number just doesn't quite seem. I'm not. I'm, not saying in any way that that buck doesn't score that but it's just hard to like it must have a lot of shit you can't see because yeah going, going in, in every weird direction. directions because it just doesn't quite look like it's that big and even i listened to the uh the podcast with uh one that that guy did that shot that buck and he didn't even think that thing was anywhere near 300 inches yeah you know well when you look at it the pictures make it look way bigger i think in my opinion the pictures make it look way bigger than it is. And then when you see it in person. Oh, you saw it at the Hunt Expo? Yeah, in, in Utah. I saw it in Utah. And when I saw it in Utah, I was like, that is not as big as I thought it was going to be after looking at the pictures. You know? For whatever that is. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like that's with a lot of bucks. Pictures and then reality are two different things. Two different things. things. <laughs> But, but you know, when you see one, you know, that's... Look, well, you know, when you see a bigger. big buck, it's a big buck. Yeah, in yeah. person, too. And you're just like, holy shit, that thing's way bigger than I thought it was in those yeah. pictures. That's, you know, it's usually a buck that's got, like, a ginormous body that just doesn't make the rack look right proportionate to, you know, to how big it really is. Yeah. Like a lot of those, you know, those big bucks in Colorado. I mean, 300-pound mule deer can make a, a 180 rack look small, small you know easy yeah just looks like a you know an average looking deer but put it on a, a deer running around here and you're like holy what? shit <laughs> it's a new record yeah it's insane man yeah it's insane and that's what's hard about here just this the 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 variety of body size of yeah. our deer here well, like, I mean, the range, I mean, you could have a buck that's 120 pounds. You could have one that's 220 pounds. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, one with a little tiny black tail head and one with a full-on mule deer head. Well, and that's the craziest thing about the Sierras is when you get the crossover bucks, man. And you get these bucks, it's like, wow, that's got a mule deer body, but that's got a black tail rack for sure, you know, and just a tiny little head. Mm -hmm. That... Yeah, some of these deer have got tiny heads. Like, I, I don't even know, I can't even throw a number out there to what would make it, like, to, to reference it. But 
yeah, they're some of these are like miniature deer. Yeah, almost. it's like the shrunken head in Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen some too on the, you know, that would just, they surprise the hell out of you because you think they're actually bodies not as big as they really are. And then when you actually get a hold of them, you're like, Jesus. Where'd this come from? Yeah, look at, yeah. Like, uh, you know, I had a buddy one time that was showing me some pictures of a buck that I thought was maybe in the one around 170 in 28 wide they shot him and ended up being 32 wide and oh. in the mid to upper 180s holy smokes and uh, yeah i was i was kind of blown away i was like dude he did not look that big in those pictures yeah and it was good pictures too like to kind of judge by but just he had a ginormous head on him and yeah you just couldn't no way to to reference that other than sometimes if you see him next to other other bucks he was by himself in the pictures but yeah getting so, really good a good idea how big they are speaking of ginormous bucks and your ginormous buck that you shot last year how'd that go down let's talk about your let's talk about your 2018 hunting season okay because i know you put in multiple scouting trips yeah hours and hours and hours and days behind glass i did it wasn't uh, i didn't do any long i did a lot of short trips yeah and i had a it'd be like evening morning home and i didn't even get close to covering what i really wanted to mm -hmm. i had you know plans and of checking out so many different places and uh well i made my first trip with you yeah i think we went up that was it was right up my birthday that first week of June. Yeah. And uh, so that we started, I started early and I pretty much planned on trying to get up there every other weekend until season started. And I pretty much stuck to that. I pretty much did that. I did squeeze in a few extra ones here and there just because I was able to, but I did a lot of, uh, a lot of them were just one day trips though, where I would go up the, um, I would get off of work mm -hmm. and usually leave about here about five o'clock and i would be up there just in time to catch the last couple hours well it just it depended where i was going but sometimes i could get up there and catch a couple last couple hours or i'd have to leave a little bit earlier to get wherever i wanted to go but uh catch a couple hours in the evening and go to bed wake up in the morning and catch a couple more hours in the morning and be home by 10 a.m and you know <laughs> for for me that works really well because i'm able to you know the first i can but spending a lot of time at home and I'm just I'm getting more bang for my buck I'm getting a, a quick evening and a morning and at prime time and then I'm back home yeah and I'm not missing too much family time well and one of the difficulties too that I found about scouting is like and sure bucks get up in the middle of the day and move around but they don't get up and move around much you know and you get up there and you scout and you sit behind glass until 10 and especially in the summer, you've got essentially from like 10 to 6 of hot days and not a lot going on. Yeah, especially if you're yeah in that desert country. When yeah. It's, it's reaching 90, 95 during the day. It's like you don't want to be out in that. And the deer don't really either, but I mean, they'll still get up and they still got to move around. But at that point, you pretty much need to know where they're at. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be, they're not going to be out crossing the wide open or... You're really gonna have to have bedded them down in the yeah, morning. Yeah, you're gonna have to know within a reasonable proximity of where they're at to to catch them when they get up to grab a bike. So it will several times during the day. But 
yeah, it gets light so early. It's light at 5.30, so it's like I can, you know, glass from 5.30 till 8.30. And by then, they're usually moving off, getting ready to, to bed, and I could usually take off at 9, 10 o'clock in the morning and be home early afternoon and, you know. Get to hang still, out. Yeah, still have a, a day to hang out with the family, so. So, and so the unit that you ended up hunting last year, that was a unit that you hadn't hunted before. You kind of always wanted to. Right, it was one I'd had my eye on for a while but I just had never decided to, to actually venture into because it. yeah I knew some other units a little bit better so I kind of stuck to those and mm-hmm. um, so yeah I decided that's why one of the reasons why I started so early too scouting it was I wasn't really looking necessarily for a buck that first week of June but I was just looking to learn <laughs> roads yeah we found like 20 <laughs> <laughs> yeah we definitely found him which which you know kind of lends a little bit of you know, insight to, you know, some of those deer stuck around, but a lot of them left. Yeah. You know, the ones we saw in early June, they were still, still on the move. But I, like I said, I wasn't really looking at that point for a particular deer. The, I was just looking to f- learn my way around yeah. and find out. And see where they're hanging out. Yeah, see what country looked best to me, what I wanted to hunt, how do I access it, where can I glass from, and just trying to learn just my way around the unit and, yeah, trying to just figure out where I wanted to be when, when it came time to really scouting and you know mid-July. Well and a point you brought up too that I really like and is a really good point is that mind you on that first trip we got into how many different bucks and exactly as you said when it came time for the season to open only a handful of bucks were still hanging out. You know they'd kind of dispersed. They did, but you know there was a a good group that hung out there though for yeah majority of the summer. But the crazy thing was they just every one but the buck I wanted to shoot actually moved off mm-hmm. and had moved not like real far yeah. But luckily for me, the one that stayed was the one I was <laughs> hoping for, which and he wasn't even one of the ones that was originally there. He didn't show up until about two weeks before the season started or three later into before. the year. Yeah, he just showed up out of nowhere and. He decided to hang out and everybody else left. Big and, boss. <laughs> yeah, he would definitely was a, I got some video of him. He was kind of, he was kind of an asshole. Was he, he? Yeah, he was. That's so rad. Kicking the other bucks <laughs> off of the, off the bitter brush or whatever. Yeah. He was, yeah, stealing the, the good bed. That's so but, funny. Yeah, it was fun, fun watching him for a few weeks. But yeah, no, I started early and, and I uh, just kept checking out more areas, but there was something about that spot. Well, there was a couple things about that spot, but. I kind of actually kept going back to that spot because I knew those deer were there and I wanted to see what they were going to do and where they ended up. And I was, you know, finding bucks in other areas, but I just kept kind of gravitating back there, back into that, that one area for, for whatever reason. And, um, was there anything, was there anything specific that kept making you want to go back there? Or was it just your gut feeling of like, I just want to go check these bucks out. There was, a couple good bucks in there that I knew had potential to be, you know, good bucks. So mm-hmm. for one, I wanted to keep an eye on them for sure. Just, you know, and I'm, I've never been one to really leave bucks to find bucks. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it depends on what you're looking for. I yeah. mean, for the majority of the time I was scouting it, I never saw anything there that was just like, oh, he's the one. That's the one. Like, I, I pretty much scouted up until the last, you know, till the opener oh looking for something better than the last mm-hmm. and it just you know and then it, by that point i'd 
you know, had a, I'm not, I don't keep a list, but I had a idea in my head. I had three or four bucks that were, you know, that I had come across that were the ones that had any of them given me a chance opening weekend. I probably (laughs) would have shot any one of them. They were all, you know, 170 plus bucks, a couple of them. Yeah. And, uh, well, and you ended up getting a really good opportunity, right? On that buck opening. Was it opening morning? It was opening, yeah. Opening morning. Yeah. Uh, it was... It, it, it didn't... It, it was. It didn't work out like I had planned. It totally worked out, but it was... It was... Uh, I got in close to him. I'll, I'll back up, because we... Yeah. Opening morning, we got there the night before, actually, and posted up in our little spot where we were going to camp that night and uh kirk had, had went off into another area and looked at some at some bucks over on uh, another hill mm-hmm. that i hadn't really been seeing anything on and i went and looked in the area where i'd seen the buck i that i wanted to hunt i looked over in there that that evening and there was nothing there there wasn't even any does there was nothing there wasn't too many does hanging out anyway but there was always a few bucks but there was nothing there mm-hmm. and so that was a little little concerning because i had in the last well it's, it's ever since i'd been scouting that spot i had never not seen a buck in there yeah and then all of a sudden last evening i can't find a deer in there and so opening morning comes around i'm sticking to my my same plan i'm going to go out to the same place i'm going to look in the same area for this buck and it's you know light starting to kind of crack over the top of the the ridges and we're getting ready and and just about that time uh, here comes some quads and side by sides flying up the road behind oh, us, God. and I hadn't seen a single person scouting. Yeah. And here comes, yeah, I think it was a side by side and a quad come flying up, and and Kirk jumped in his truck, and he's like, "Well, I'm going to head off top of this ridge and go hike over the backside and start glassing before these guys get up here." And I thought, "Well, I'm just going to wait and wait till these guys get up here and see what what their plan, what they're is. all and, about, yeah, yeah, and then make sure we're not screwing each other up or." or whatever and these guys just pulled up right off the bat were just total assholes yeah and uh, yeah i won't even get into everything that was said but they basically punctuality they, they were, yeah, on the mountain they were, they were pissed that we were there and they were the local boys and they knew this place and wanted to know how the hell i knew how to get in there and, and they deserve it oh yeah and they, they wanted to know who told me how to get in there and I'm like, I didn't, you know, I said, well, first off, I found the place myself. Yeah. I, you know, I found the road to get in here myself. Nobody told me about it. And, you know, they, they just were, they were pissed that I was in there, but there was nothing they could do. It was BLM land. Yeah. Whatever. So anyway, they, they peeled off, they got all pissed off and they went off and we never even got a chance to like discuss anything. They just peeled off and went to the spot to go glass. And I was like, well, it's right where I'm going to go too. And I, I had a feeling they knew about that deer, or at least one of the deer that was hanging out in there. And because, yeah, sure enough, they went right to the spot where they could glass into that that area. And so I took off. I got a little bit higher from them. I didn't really see where they went. I got up on top of this peak and I started glassing. I glassed for I don't know half hour, forty five minutes at first light, nothing. And I peeked over the edge of the rock, and there those guys were sitting a hundred yards below me glass and the same stuff and i was like god this is stupid like this is not frustrating yeah this is not the way i was planning on this happening but you know whatever 
And so I just, you know, I stuck to it. I just sat there and I kept glassing, 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 and it was nothing. And I was just like, this is fucking weird. Like, what the hell's going on? Well, about another 15 minutes passed, and I heard something. I look over the edge, and those guys were picking up their stuff, and they're walking off. And I thought, okay, well, whatever. Good. You know? good i didn't know i had no idea where they're going what they're going to do yeah if they were just going to move to another spot right there to look or what so i sat down and i kept glassing and i never did hear him drive off and i ended up hiking down the ridge a little ways so i could look over and see and those guys just picked up and completely left oh wow and i thought well shit that's fine with me so i went back up and i sat back down and it wasn't 15 minutes later i looked down in the bottom and there he was like no i don't know way. where he came from like he was he had to have been there the whole time i don't know if he was just hiding in a little ravine and some yeah. in the shadows and just wasn't you know easy to see but it was just like he just appeared 15 minutes later with uh another small forked horn and ready to go yep and i <laughs> so and that so i'd been you know i i had a feeling he was going to be the one i was probably going to be hunting for a couple of weeks prior mm -hmm. to the season starting and so once we got to like the 10 day window of of uh, opening day I kept checking the 10-day forecast every every day to see which way the wind was they were predicting the wind to blow that day because I knew there was only like I could it was either be either be a north or an east wind it was the only way I was going to be able to hunt that buck if it was south or a west wind I was fucked you're done there was yeah there's you know no stock in it so I knew I was waiting for a an east or a northeast wind to be able to hunt him as long as he stayed where he was at and that morning, like every day, it almost changed, but it never said north or east up to that point. And so once I saw him, I immediately went to my phone and pulled up the weather for that day and looked at it and it said northeast wind, 10 miles an hour. And I was like, holy shit. You're all, this like, is the day. <laughs> this, it's going to happen today. Yeah. Like the, and I was, so I kind of was feeling the wind and. Do you use like smoke too? I just use dirt. Just dirt? Yeah. Yeah. Just pick up some dust and. See how it goes. it in my fingers and yeah. Yeah. I don't really carry too many extra things around. That's always done me pretty good. I used to carry a lighter around sometimes too and just flick it and see which way the, the flame was flow, flowing. But uh, no, usually just dirt. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I watched him for, he bedded pretty early that morning. I want to say it was around 8, 8.30. Well, just about that time too, like 8 o'clock, I'm looking way like half mile on the other side of him. There's another road out that way. And here comes a Jeep comes driving up and parks down below. And I thought, Jesus, you know, here we go again. Here's another, yeah. somebody else coming. And so, and Kirk had found some bucks over where he was at, you know, we'd been kind of texting back and forth. And my brother was over there with Kirk and I texted, I told him, I was, dude, I found the buck. I said, now there's another truck down below him. I was like, I need you to come over here and watch this buck for me now. I said, I gotta, get, I gotta get, I gotta move. I gotta get closer to him. I'm not gonna stalk him yet, but I gotta, I gotta cut the distance in half. I gotta get in a better position than where, uh, than I am now, because just in case those guys spot him or coming up, well, come to find out, those guys, I don't know if they were just scouting for rifle or just what they were doing, but they ended up hanging out for like an hour, and then left. Mm -hmm. And. I don't, I don't think they were bow hunting, but whatever. I, so I took off and I beelined down this ridge to get up above him. And of course I kick out a nice three point on the ridge right up above him. He's bounding <laughs> off like down that direction. I'm like, oh shit. You know, here we go. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but luckily he, he didn't bump him. He got out of there and 
I just continued my way down the ridge to where I was basically above them. I sat above them for a couple hundred, a couple hundred yards above them for, I don't know, at least an hour or two, just mm -hmm. waiting for the wind to change. I, it wasn't steady enough. It was, it was good enough for me to get within a few hundred yards, but it wasn't, it wasn't where you to, wanted it to, to make be. my yeah, last approach on him. So I just sat up there on top of that ridge until I don't you know. felt comfortable. Yeah, ten o'clock, ten thirty. It like a steady wind came up, and when I and it, when it came out of the north northeast, and I looked at that weather again one more time, I was like, "Well, that's it. It's it's going to hold steady." Yeah. For a while now. And now at and, that point, you're kind of playing thermals at that point too, right? Well, not necessarily thermals there. That was just like a prevailing wind that oh, day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but, I figured because you're on the top, you're waiting for that that morning warm draft to start funneling it, all that extra air out. Yeah, it just depends. I mean, that just depends on the topography. But this particular yeah. area, like, th there's really not a whole lot of thermal action there. Oh, okay. There, there is, but it's not quite not like, not like yeah. when you're in the mountains. Yeah. No, it's nothing like that. But uh, I, like I said, I got, I think it was about 10 o'clock, and I was, or 10.30, and I was like, man, I know this buck's going to get up again. He bedded at 8.30. Like, they usually, when they bed that early, they usually get up again around 10, 11 o'clock or whatever and change you know grab another bite to eat and change beds mm -hmm. for the afternoon and so at that point i was like i, I gotta make my move now before he gets up and so and i could never once i got over there i could never see him and i was relying on my brother to let me know that he was still there and uh dropped into about 100 yards dropped my pack took off my shoes shimmy down and i got to where i was about 50 yards and you know i kind of was just looking around i was i was set up and i was like man I, I can get another 10 so i shimmied up another 10 and i kept looking around you know and nothing and i think it i think i was at about at 40 yards or whatever and the forking horn that was with him stood up so i kind of i got ready did you panic no i, I was kind of in a spot i was in a good spot at about 40 yards but no i got ready just in case he got up too but he never did the forking horn just got up and he actually fed down the ravine further embedded and so I thought, okay, well, there's, I think I can get another 10 yards closer. So I did. I shimmied up another 10. <laughs> I like getting as close as I can. Dude, dude that's nerve-wracking. Especially if I got a good wind. If I got a, a steady wind, I'll get close. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, I, my odds of killing them are definitely better the closer I get. Sierra so. stalker, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I'm not a Sierra long shooter. <laughs> 30 yards is my wheelhouse right there. If I Sending in bombs. Yeah. I don't like shooting beyond 40 yards if I don't have to. Yeah. So I, I always get as close as I can. And so, yeah, I got to 30 yards and uh, I'm chilling. I'm hanging out, waiting, waiting, fucking nothing. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? This guy's got to get up soon. And then I'm like, like I said, I couldn't ever see anything. So I'm kind of starting to question whether or not he's like still there. What's Did he going give on? you the slip? Oh, yeah, I'm looking up at my brother and everything seems to be all right. And so. No white flags? Yeah, no nothing. He, because he, he couldn't see him either because by the time he got over to the spotting scope, I just had to tell him, like, hey, he's, there's a rock, there's a bush, he's bedded right there. like <laughs> On the side of a yeah, mountain. You, yeah, you could. <laughs> I had the spotting scope dialed on it, but it was like you couldn't you couldn't see him in the Ken's spotting scope. Ken's just pissed. <laughs> yeah, well, it is what it is. He, he, goes, <laughs> he goes both ways. Oh, I'm sure. But uh, so I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden I caught some, some movement in the ravine right below me. I don't know why my initial thought was I thought it was a bobcat. I just saw a flash of like a kind of a yellowish, yeah. And I was like, oh shit, there's a bobcat. And he's in the way, and he was on the other side of the deer, which would have been downwind of the deer. So I'm thinking, oh dude, he's gonna smell that thing and get up any minute. So of course I knock an arrow and I get ready, and nothing. I'm waiting, 
couple minutes go by and all of a sudden on the other side of the ravine there's a coyote and then another one so they ended up being a couple of coyotes i saw i just caught a flash of the first one when i first saw them and they're maybe 40 yards on the other side of the buck and mm -hmm. i was like oh shit like something something's gonna happen now because he ain't gonna stick around with all these coyotes that close to him yeah well i don't know they must have caught the scent of the forked horn because next thing i know i'm watching them and they just start trotting down the ravine towards that forked horn well I look down, Forkinhorn pops up. He's staring at the dogs across the canyon. Dogs are looking at him. And he starts getting spooked. And so he starts kind of walking back up the hill. And I thought, oh, shit, he's going to walk right back. He's going to walk right up to that buck. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he walks right up to that buck. And then he's, and the coyotes are actually pacing him on the other side of the ravine about dad, 50 dad, yards help. away. <laughs> he gets up to that buck, and, and that buck, that's when he, he stood up. And then they're both 30 yards, no shot staring away from me, looking at those coyotes on the other side of the ravine. Begging for and, a broadside. And I'm just like, dude, this is like <laughs> the, the optimal time to be launching an arrow right now, but they just got brushed in front of their vitals. And I'm like, okay, something, this is either gonna get really good or this is gonna get really shitty. Really quick. Really quick, because they're not gonna hang out for very long. And it was just like this stare down between the deer and the coyotes and all I needed him to do was just literally take two steps and because they were so focused on those. I mean, I could have just stood up and shot him, but what did, what did he do? They turned and just started walking straight at me. Oh, God. And there I was stuck with my back up against the bush, my bow, you know, in my hands, ready to shoot, but not drawn. And they just start walking right at me. How much room did you have to go to full oh, this, draw? I had like, none at this we, point. Yeah. I was I was laid back once, once they, because I was kind of like, up away from the bush waiting for him to step out you know to give me that shot and then once they kind of they kind of turned, turned and started you. coming towards me and their head got behind some brush and they started coming right at me i kind of sunk back into the brush behind me because i was like hi because I, yeah, <laughs> I was stuck out in the open too much and so i leaned back into the shadows and, and laid down and they walked up five yards from me no way yeah and i'm like my heart was just beating out of my chest as did they, they look at you oh we had a stare down for probably 30 seconds really while they just sat there and stared at me and i didn't know what to do it was so close it was like i didn't know what to do really and other than just wait did you look at their eyeballs oh they we were just burning holes through each other <laughs> and they couldn't figure out what i was and i'm looking at them just trying my hardest not to flinch and they knew something wasn't right and they turned and they started to walk off to my left and as soon as they turned to walk i leaned up and i drew back and they they caught my movement and I think they probably thought I was one of the coyotes at that point that, you know, they, cause they didn't get super spooked. They just trotted and I had to get, he stopped at 30 yards and just broadside and turned back to look at me. And I was already drawn Funk. back and let it fly. And How like, so when they're going away from you and you're getting into full draw and they sort of start to trot, how fast is your heartbeat going? Just watching them maybe not stop and give you the opportunity at that point i wasn't like you weren't panicked i wasn't panicked i wasn't stressed it was are you breathing like are you breathing through your nose and out your mouth or because that's a lot going on i wasn't that focused on anything other, other than, than just just give me the opportunity get, drawn back and, yeah. and getting anchored and just please stop <laughs> <laughs> please stop that was all because at that point I, I didn't feel panicked because I, I didn't feel like I had done anything wrong. I hadn't spooked them. Like they didn't catch my scent. They hadn't like seen me moving. Like 
enough to like get spooked. Like they saw me moving, obviously when I was standing up to draw or sitting up to draw, but they were already kind of turned and going away. It was just like some movement out of the corner of their eyes. So and it stared a hole into your soul. Yeah, so I wasn't too too panicked or freaked out at that moment. And mm -hmm. yeah, I just luckily was able to just settle in at 30 yards and poked a hole through both lungs, watched him just run up the, he ran straight uphill 30 yards, turned around and just rolled right back down. Yeah. And got to watch <laughs> Did it you all give a unfold yelp? right there. Like what? Oh, I jumped up and I, you know, I yeah. gave the double fist pump with my bow in the air. So let my brother know that it was good. It was over. It was a good shot. Yeah. And I, and while I'm sitting there, I didn't even forgot that part. I was sitting, I was getting texts from uh, Kirk showing me the picture of the bucket he had just shot an hour ago, uh -huh. you know, and he's, <laughs> he's texting me. He's like, Oh, I just got him. And, you know, wow. he killed a really good four point. So I'm like sitting there in the shadows of this sagebrush, like getting these texts while I'm 30 yards from this buck. And I'm like, you know, trying not to <laughs> blow my hunt looking at it. But I'm like, oh, dude, this is awesome. And I'm like, yeah. I'm 30 yards. Like, yeah. this is going to be awesome if I can kill this buck. Yeah. And it, it worked out. It was, yeah, it was insane. That's the way, crazy. The way it all happened. And then, and then of course, now we've got two bucks down. It's getting to be 90 degrees outside plus he's we're a mile and a half away from each other neither one of us at the truck mm -hmm. and yeah then then that's when i started to panic <laughs> there's no shade you know my brother actually he drove around to meet me but he had to leave he was just there that morning to just hang out for a few for hours he had plans to be somewhere else yeah. later that morning so he wasn't able to stick around and really help and then he ended up trying to help me out ended up getting a flat tire in his truck <laughs> so then we're yeah we're dragging the buck underneath the truck to get it in the shade while we're changing the tire and you know meanwhile kirk he's still trying to pack his out by himself over on the other side of the mountain oh and, no yeah it was an all-day ordeal for us to finally get out of there kirk had to make two trips with his and I drug mine half the way, and then we tried getting the truck closer, but then we couldn't get the truck any closer, and we ended up, yeah, popping a tire, we ended up having to drag him further, and I don't know why I didn't just quarter him up to begin with, like, I just... It, now, did you keep the that, cape on him, or no? No, he was pretty, he was pretty, uh, he, he was transitioning, he had this half summer coat, half winter yeah. coat, he was, he was pretty ugly, but I, I don't have any room for... Amount like Amounts. that. I, I mean, yeah, it would be nice, but yeah. Did have... you put tape on him at all, rough? Scoring him? Yeah. Yeah, he was like right at 180. Really? When yeah, when I shot, he probably shrunk a little bit. He was still his horns were like rubber still. And now is that a, a B and C 180 or is that a like just total gross? That's just gross score. Yeah, that's yeah. not a net score. No. Yeah, nets are for fish. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely my best California buck, for sure. Best archery buck. It was a dandy. Because I remember coming here right after. I mean, was it? You got home Sunday, and I stopped that by was, Sunday, or no? We, yeah, we got home Saturday night. So I I came by Sunday night on my way home to check it out, and I'd never seen a buck like that in real life in California. <laughs> Like, I've only seen a couple of them. Yeah. So to actually harvest get an one, arrow to, in him. Yeah, was, to stick it yourself. Yeah, was was pretty awesome. Cause, yeah, the year before, I was in the I was in the, the opposite seat of where I was last year. You know, the year before that where 
you know, there was a pretty good buck hanging out in one of the areas that I was hunting, and somebody else ended up getting in there and shooting him before me. But yeah, you know, that's that's how it goes. You know, you just that's just, hunting, man. That's just hunting, exactly. Yeah. You just you keep going. You don't ever know when it's when it's going to be your time. Yeah, you know. Well, and, you know, that's like what happened with me in Utah this year. Those dudes showed up and they were like, "We shot this buck." Like, the f- what? <laughs> you didn't the shoot you this did. buck, you know? And it's that kind of stuff is crazy to me, right? You know, it mountain is. conflict, man. Well, and then we ended up running into one of the one of the guys that we'd run into that morning on our way out. He and he was like, "Yep." <laughs> he's like, "Well, we we get kind of gave him the cold shoulder because I was already like, you know, fuck you guys." Yeah from that morning so as we're driving out and this guy's driving back in he uh he saw oh that's right no we were driving up to get the other truck and this guy was driving out and you know we just kind of he kind of pulled off the side of the road let us go by and we just kind of like i said gave him the cold shoulder and just kept driving up the road tell me that the antlers were sticking out of the back of the truck they we actually we kind of had them half-ass hid in the uh-huh. in the cab of the truck oh really and he saw him and of course he flipped around and followed us all the way back up the truck because he wanted to see the deer and when he saw yeah the buck died shot he's like son of a bitch that's the one we were looking for and i was like well you guys walked away from him yeah he was sitting there the whole time you guys got all pissed off about whatever and left know, and left and he was there the whole time but thanks for leaving yeah <laughs> And neither one of those, well, there was three guys, only one of them had a tag, but two guys were local guys, and they had a buddy up with them that was, that they were trying to help mm-hmm. get a deer or whatever, but, yeah, and like I said, they wanted to know who, who had told me about that spot, or how to get in there, and, and, and like, it's just scouting, man. And I, I told that guy on the way back, you know, when I ran into him, when we were on our way back to get the truck, I was like, well, I thought, to be honest with you, I said, I found a guy's wallet six years ago and he pointed me to this place mm-hmm. and I said that's the only reason I even knew about this place or and, and even then it took me two or three times just to try and figure out where the hell the road was to get in there mm-hmm. you know between hiking and google earth and just driving around just trying to find access sometimes is difficult it's the hard part yeah but uh yeah that's how I even ended up in that place was hunting a different unit six years ago and uh found a wallet laying in the middle of the road good samaritan deeds looked it up and got a hold of the guy and met him you know a few hours later and yeah guy tried to offer up a reward and i was like yeah i don't need any money i just tell me a spot where i can kill a big buck (laughs) and uh he pointed off into those hills and i was like well that's that's awesome, but I don't have a tag for that zone. <laughs> I don't know if I ever will, but yeah. maybe one day. Yeah, I was like, well, maybe. I was like, how about over here, over on this side? You got anything over here? You could, you know, and he, he, he helped me out what he could, but he wasn't much of a hunter anyway. He just had told me, he's like, yeah, that's, a lot of local guys like to hunt over there. Apparently so. And uh, I, I always kept that in the back of my mind, and last year I decided, you know, because I, since that had happened, I think I'd drawn one or two tags. I can't remember what it was, but finally just was like you know what it's time to try something new yeah and uh totally totally worked out yeah well what's crazy now too is just i feel and we've talked about this a little bit is like archery point creep across everything along the eastern sierras is just like going up and up and up yeah totally it's like getting more and more difficult it is to and get in there well, and then they, they cut a bunch of tags tags this year yeah. down in some of the southern X zones, too. So, 
who knows when they'll shifted people further north or something yeah whatever they do but uh i'm sure hopefully they'll put those tag numbers back up to where they were mm-hmm. in another year or two and uh but yeah that's the thing is we're, they're definitely not adding any tags anywhere so it's not getting any easier no well i mean just think too like what if they separate the state or add more x zones or you know eliminate us being allowed to have two tags like all the different things that they could do oh there's yeah there's there's a lot that they could do to help but there's a lot of things they could do to to spread out the hunters too Mm -hmm. I, i feel like there could be a lot more draw hunts like on the west slope of the sierras mm-hmm. i mean there could be a late d3 tag a late d4 could tag, you imagine a late that five tag archery tags you know and just i mean what the hell is 25 tags gonna do yeah you know nothing in, yeah in d zone it's, it's you know not, but that's gonna spread out a lot more guys like i would be i would be tempted to put in for a late season d zone tag that'd be fun so, hunt you know b zone look at all the country b zone has and there's like one decent late season tag with the archery covalo hunt hunt. yeah Yeah. and it's like that's one that's a huge area it's like you could split that up into a few more smaller hunts yeah i mean they don't even issue that many tags for that covalo hunt at all yeah between i think that's like a every three or four year hunt maybe yeah that would take a lot of pressure off some of those tags other places yeah but who knows if they'll ever come to that conclusion get, yeah i get to i don't know what all it takes for you know yeah to get something like that done I the commission there's a, well there's a lot yeah i mean i mean there's so many wheels to make one wheel spin the county's got to approve it like yeah, yeah the state's got to approve it fishing game i mean you name it it's yeah the red tape they have to go through to, to i couldn't even imagine man to do anything but you know whatever i don't like to speculate too much on i do things like that I, <laughs> all i know is what i can do now like the tag what tags i can get now and right that's pretty much what i focus on not what could be or how it used to be or back in the day yeah, back in the good old days build a hunt over here every year yeah not anymore yeah <laughs> well i think what's actually been kind of neat since they implemented everybody having to report their deer tags watching the statistics go up by staggering amounts of success percent you know and you look and you're like wait what this was like a two or three percent success and now it's like in the double digits how the fuck did that happen well now everybody that's killing something is reporting their tag right you know and i i think the department always estimated it was like well they still estimate too they still don't like those numbers that they per, they put out yeah. even now even though it's mandatory reporting it's still estimated success it's yeah still not even a true a true number because yeah i don't even think I don't, I don't know what the numbers are but they're probably still not even getting close to well they're probably not getting 100 percent compliance with the reporting yeah. How many people are successful that just pay the fine? Right, and then you, and then well, then you go on there and you report your tag, and it's like, give us the GPS exact pinpoint location on this map, drop a pin for us, so we know where your buck was killed. Right. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, they uh, they got to figure figure a few things out still, but they the success numbers got to be getting close to where they where they should be now with Mm -hmm. what people are reporting yeah i mean they got i mean people are still 
you know, you still go on Facebook or whatever, and you'll see somebody on there, well, I just went to go get a tag, and uh, I had to pay a $40 fine, so I didn't report it last year. Much Oops. Oh, guys. It's like, you know, it's, it's been that way for two years now, and, you know, yeah, people just still aren't up with the times, and, you know, and they bitch and complain about having to do that when every other state requires you to do it. It's not like it's some new thing that California just started yeah. I well, mean, like Utah doesn't. Utah doesn't. Montana doesn't. There's a couple states that don't. Most do, though. Yeah. I know Oregon it. does. Yeah. Oregon will penalize you Nevada for sure. Does. Nevada. Yeah. yeah states a... that actually really want to manage their game. Yeah. yeah. That are actually putting forth Proactive. the effort. Yeah. Because yeah. they really want to know what the numbers are. Yeah. But, yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> you know, it'll be a few more years before right. I get another tag, unless I get lucky and right. we'll keep keep looking around yeah try to we applied for a different zone this year and didn't get it so we'll just keep keep poking around like keep looking at a few different zones keep looking at the the statistics and see, me. see what happens yeah yeah so what does that mean for you for 2019 as far i mean i know you and i have talked about some backpack hunts you know there's different hunts on the table what are you kind of thinking about doing? I decided this year I'm going to start, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I've got a, some, a few bucket list hunts. Yeah. And one of them would be in Southern California to go do a good uh, desert hunt down there. Um, I really want to get a good, I mean, I hunt the high country around here, but it's not like your real, tr- like, true high country timberline tree, you know, uh, high country type of hunting. But I still, I still want to get a good high country hunting uh here in the sierras uh southern california i love to do a desert hunt down there but the other one is a that's a wilderness blacktail like mm-hmm. a true blacktail b zone b zone yeah colombian and so i decided this would be the year to start start working on that because i feel like it's probably going to be a few years in the making to to get it a spot figured out and make it happen figure out yeah what the hell i'm doing over there because i'm not going to have the time to scout it like i can you know it's a tag i can get every year so i'm not going to go spend a ton of time and and money trying to scout it out Mm -hmm. um each year i'll just basically do that scouting while i'm hunting Mm -hmm. and if it takes two or three years before i draw another tag well that's what i'll do i'll just every year i'll go spend a week over there if i can during archery season and maybe make a couple weekend trips during rifle season now to do that, would you just get an archery only tag, which opens up no a lot of the state, or would you get a B no, zone specific? I can go back during rifle season. Oh I'll really? Get a, yeah, B zone tag. Yeah, which I already have, so I have a B zone tag. I got a D three five tag this year, so mm-hmm. that's why if, if I'm going to do any scouting, it's going to be you know in your locally, backyard yeah, where you closer. can. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'll just save my my scouting time. Will be my hunts over there in, yeah. in B zone and try and get in you know six eight days a year if I can over there, and it might take two or three years four years five years whatever before i can finally i'd love to get one with the bow yeah for sure but there's big bucks out there man oh yeah no there's some i got a few spots i got an eye on got a few uh a few other spots that have been i've been told about that legends yeah that are, Le- legendary spots yeah that have <laughs> known to produce some really good bucks but i'm kind of a more of a uh that was the one from do it, earlier. Do it myself kind of guy, <laughs> as far as um, not wanting to go somewhere where somebody's pointed me out to. Yeah, I 
that was one thing that uh, this hunt last last year during uh, that archery hunt, X-Zone hunt, I mm -hmm. had uh, a fellow on Instagram told me about a buck, a really good buck in that zone. And I went and checked him out and I found him. And he was a, a, a really good buck. And it came down to when it got down to, you know, just before the season started, it was him or one of these other bucks I found. And, and actually, in the, the last couple of weeks before the, the non-typical showed up, like, I was already, like, telling myself, like, I, I just can't go after that buck that that dude told me about. Like, it's just, not I feel, I feel like I'm cheating myself. Like, I, that's not how I want it to, to go. I want to find the buck that I'm going to kill. I don't want it to be one that somebody told me about. And so when that other buck showed up, you know, that it, I completely forgot about that other one. That other buck was big. I mean, he was, I don't know if he was 30. He was pushing it, though. You know, solid, probably mid-170s, upper-170s buck. Just a just a really solid, good buck. Yeah. Way wider than anything I've ever shot before. Oh, wow. Which, when I started scouting in that unit, I was, my criteria for what I wanted to shoot was either something really wide, something trashy, or just something really heavy. Like one of those, it's just one of those three. It didn't have to be a combination. specific, yeah. Yeah, no combination, just any one of those three. It could have been a 31-inch wide three-point or, you know, a super heavy three-by-two that was, you know, just an old regress buck. I would have been happy with that. Just, you know, I just wanted something, you know, something unique, something, either, yeah, like I said, wide, trashy, or just massive. But I kind of tend to lean more towards the mass and the, <laughs> the trash than, than width. I don't know why. I just I don't really don't care how wide a buck is. It just doesn't yeah doesn't do nothing for me. Well, mass is just such a beautiful thing to look at. Well, it is, and it's it's got so much more character, and it's just a really more of a representation of the age of the deer. Yeah, you know, you don't get mass without age. Right. And so that's you know one of the one of the factors there is you know you always want to try and get something with some age on them. Yeah. If you can. Yeah, but sometimes just spindly little horns will do. Right. Well, I mean, a <laughs> buck I killed a few years ago in the high country. I uh, the best, you know, buck I've killed in the in the high country here. He You're was talking about that four by four. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was on the younger side. I don't think he was. I think he was on the younger I side. I think he was probably only five years old, maybe yeah. even four. Yeah, I was thinking. I don't four even or know. Like right he now. was, he wasn't that old, and I think, wow, what the hell would he have turned into in another? If he three years two or three years yeah. but the size he was like i wasn't gonna pass him up hell no it was <laughs> a monster buck yeah so it was like you know whatever i was super happy with that <laughs> yeah so but yeah it's uh, i'm looking forward to the b zone this year that's mm -hmm. gonna be a uh it's gonna be fun an interesting endeavor i'm yeah i'm definitely not I don't have my hopes too high. I, like I said, I know it's gonna it's gonna take a few years. Some pounding. It's gonna take a lot of yeah. It's gonna take a lot of work. I I only ever hunted B zone once before. I had a tag. Honestly, it was 2010. I was working over over by Calusa, mm -hmm. well Calusa County on the east side of Calusa County. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up just picking up a B tag. So I was there, but I was working so much. I think I only got out two or three times to even during rifle season like two or three days maybe and i didn't know what i was doing i saw a couple smaller bucks but didn't really give it the the time that i should have or would yeah. like to have so yeah i'm looking forward to 
trying something new. B zones is it's intimidating because it's like looking at the pictures that I've seen from inside the country in there, but everybody I know that hunts B zone always kills monster bucks. They're always killing great bucks. But it's intimidating because it's exactly what you're saying, dude. It's it's unknown. It's going to take years to figure it out, you know, which always makes it so much easier to end back up in the high country because for me, the high country is like, cool, dude, you give me seven days in the high country, nine out of 10 trips, I'm going to end up killing something, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like, I know it. It's, I've got it figured out. I've got it pegged, right? And then I go into B zone and I'm like, Going in with a blindfold on, I have no idea what's about to happen. Yeah, I figured I'm gonna. I'll see some bucks. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about that. But I'm just kind of. I know a lot of that area gets a lot of backpackers, and I know there's a lot of hunters. So that's where I'm more kind of worried. Not worried, just kind of you know, because those are some big wilderness areas over there. Nothing like what we got over here. These little piss ant fucking wilderness areas over here Dude, like those are like call it a wilderness yeah, they got a wilderness <laughs> designation on them but yeah it does, you can walk across them in a half a day but uh, yeah those are some real wilderness areas and to, to go back in there six eight ten miles and you know camp in a basin with three other dudes it's like that's not what i want to do right so and you I won't know until you get there and wake up the go. next morning exactly and so i that's to me that's going to be the learning curve part is just figuring out where all this traffic is and where all these people are going and where they're not going and tuesday wednesday thursday friday those are the days to hunt it right well i'm gonna i think i'm gonna have about seven to nine days oh there you go but trying to time it between uh i don't want to hit the opener trying to avoid labor day so it'll probably be somewhere in between in there Mm -hmm. whatever i can work out i gotta put it on the calendar still right i gotta figure out where uh where we have some some holes in our calendar at home and fill in and work a good it trip. in, yeah. <laughs> right, that's awesome. So, and I know that you don't like to talk about your backpack, but so like on this trip coming up, what do you think? What'll be in your pack? Like, what do you? What are you? Are you just drinking water out of a stream? You know, or are you using iodine tablets? You know, what are you running for glass? You know, I, I know you don't like to talk about your pack, but we're going to talk about your well, it's backpack. Top, it's top secret shit. I can't, you know. <laughs> I can't reveal everything that's in there. Yeah. No, my pack is pretty sad. That's why I don't really talk about it. I, I really, I'm not. But a, there's so much value in that. You know what I mean? And And coming from someone who, like, I have invested a lot in all different types of gear. I didn't for a long time. I spent... You know, up until three years ago, without any sort of crazy gear in my pack. And three years ago, I was like, all right, I'm switching out of my gear, and I'm actually going to buy good shit and treat myself well and stop sleeping on rocks in the backcountry, right? And I and I did that. So, you know, what do you, what are you running? What do you got in your pack, Doug? Well, let's see. Where, where do I start? I got... Well, I'll go with... We'll start sleeping. Okay. With the sleeping uh, arrangement, I I've been running a a Thermarest Neo Air. Mm-hmm. That that pad is the the best pad I've I've ever used. It finally got too many holes in it. 
And this couldn't year, I, repatch it. Oh, it got it's got a million <laughs> pinholes. I <laughs> I chased those holes for a while last year, and I finally gave up. Yeah. But uh, no, I run a Neo Air. Um, I'm not to get a new one this year though. I have an old REI uh, sleeping bag, mummy bag that I've had for dude, I don't even twelve years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a zero degree. I'll just open it up on a. It's it's super lightweight though, and I just open it up in the summertime. And I'll, yeah. I just use it as a blanket over me. I don't I don't have multiple sleeping bags. I just I use one. Do people use multiple sleeping bags? Oh, I'm I. I've thought about it, having a zero degree bag, a 20 degree bag, a 32 degree oh, okay. bag, like, you know, just for different types of years and, yeah. and different hunts, different hunts. And, yeah. uh, but I thought you meant people bring like, Oh no, no, no. Like, a, cause I know, I know there's like military pack systems, which is like a three layered pack, you know, but no, my shit's super simple. I've had, I, I use a, uh, an MSR hubba hubba two man tent mm-hmm. is my, what I've used for years. Um, and I usually will take it even if I, if it's not going to rain. Yeah. Cause I just like that little bit of extra protection from mosquitoes or whatever in the evening or yeah. whatever. You can just kind of kick it in it. It's not that much weight to, to carry, but yeah, MSR, hubba hubba, I uh, got my Neo Air, my REI pack, um, or my REI bag. I've used a Katadin, uh, water filter for. A pump? A pump, or, yeah. yeah. I always carry a small bottle of iodine pills if, yeah. for whatever reason, my my pump stops working or gets clogged or whatever. But, I, yeah, I don't use iodine unless I you really have to. have to. That's, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but I always keep a little emergency ration just in case. Yeah. Well, it's funny for me. I've always just, I just find running water and fill my water bottle up in a creek and... I do that. I've never a, gotten sick. I do that occasionally if I can see it coming right out of the ground. But at the same time, I always have my filter. Uh huh. So it's like it's not worth it for me to risk getting sick. Yeah. When, when I have when I have the filter sitting right there, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. not use it. And I always bring. For it. me, dude, it was always an expense thing. I never wanted to spend 110 bucks on. Oh, you don't have to spend that much. I think mine's like 60 bucks. Or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. They're pretty inexpensive. Nice. I think it's a pro hiker. Yeah, that I'll be getting. I think I'll be picking one of those up this year. Yeah, I've been. I've used that for a long time. That's like the only thing I've ever had uh-huh. for filtering water. Like I'm on my second one. If I find something that's working for me, I don't. I usually don't stray from it. Yeah. You know, well, there's I know no reason the to. Gravity fed bags. I mean, they're, they're cool. Um, you the gravity fed filters. Yeah. What Sawyer I think makes those. Um, no, there's a few different kind. They're cool, but mine. I've, it's never broke down on me. I've been with other people that have had filters that just whatever reason uh it's not sealing right you know and it's just like you're having to pump twice as much to, to get the water and just i've found the one i got works and just keep it going <laughs> yeah, it's, and they're good for simple. like ten thousand gallons or yeah. some astro astronomical yeah, number it's, it's easy to just to swap the filter out on it when it's when they start getting clogged or you can even pull it out and clean it off you know out in the field too yeah but and yeah. then are you what are you doing for food uh, it's it varies. I kind of I, I don't have like a a meal plan. Yeah. I usually just go to the grocery store and whatever sounds good. I usually will grab a couple of mountain houses for dinner. That's mm-hmm. usually what I eat for dinner. The first night though, I always pack something good for the first night. I'll mm-hmm. usually either bring like a a chimichanga or a burrito or I'll get like a big sandwich because a lot of times I go hike in like in the in the afternoon. 
mm-hmm. or something or the evening so i'll pick something up on my way and i'll just put it in my pack and i'll pack that in with me something like yeah. super good for the first night because it's gonna be delicious yeah and that's my last last good meal for a while and it's a calorie intake yeah and so i, I like doing that so that's usually like my first meal but like breakfast is uh i got a soft spot for peaches and cream oatmeal mm-hmm. so i usually will bring a bunch of like uh instant oatmeal packs yeah and then I also bring usually a bunch of butter, mm-hmm. and I'll butter bomb the shit out of my my oatmeal in the morning for just some extra fat and calories. Throw uh, butter in there, and then I usually will even throw butter in my coffee yeah. in the morning. For sure. And then from there, like, lunch is kind of weird. From there, it's, a lot of times it's just a lot of snacks. It's just whatever I feel like eating. Snacking on throughout the a day. A lot of, uh, yeah, like nuts uh nut bars uh anything uh coconut based mm-hmm. it's really high in fats and calories and you know i usually try not to pack anything if it's uh less than you know i 150 calories an ounce yeah and so that's usually what i look at is just the the calorie to ounce ratio oh really so but, you pay attention to that oh yeah absolutely absolutely because yeah. i i'm a pretty thin guy yeah and I go through... Well, not only that, right now, you're running like a fucking maniac, dude. Right. So that's... I gotta... I have to eat a lot of food. I have to take in a lot of calories. Yeah, like 5,000. consuming myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't afford to lose any weight. Mm-hmm. So I usually... Yeah, I'm looking for things high in fat and... Yeah. yeah. High in calories. Good calories, too. Not like... Uh, not empty calories. Not empty calories. And... So right here, we're looking at... The strawberry granola, wholesome granola with strawberry and milk, peak refuel meal. Dry, this thing weighs 4.59 ounces, right? And uh, we added water to this before we started bullshitting. Right. Um, And uh, we're going to eat it. How's that sound? Sounds good. I'm kind of hungry. Are you? Good. We've been talking for, I don't know how long, probably a while. But I'll let you dig in first, man. Stir that around. Let me know what you think. I actually really like these. So I don't know if you've ever done uh, egg meals. The breakfast, like Mountain House egg meals? Yeah. Or like yeah, freeze-dried eggs. I can't do freeze-dried eggs, no. man. And, and Unless I'm really hungry. Because of that fact, I haven't messed with the breakfast skillet i tried a bite once and it wasn't that bad um but i'm i'm all about their granola and strawberry they just came out with a bunch more meals that are actually they look pretty delicious Mm -hmm. hopefully i'll have some here soon to try but it's good it's definitely sweet right it's got Damn near 30 grams of sugar in it, I think. It says here, uh, 45. Is it 45 for the whole thing? Yeah, per package, yeah. Okay. It's like drinking a can of soda. Yeah. And then how many, how many of those grams are added grams? Added sugars, 19, almost half of them. 
So half of it's natural sugar and yeah. half of it's added. That's good. It's mm -hmm. not all added sugar. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. No, I love oatmeal in the morning. That's right? usually my staple in the morning is oatmeal. And then snacks all day. Like I said, a lot of nuts and mm -hmm. coconut, coconut bars, coconut-based foods. Um, protein's always like a tricky one. I mean, you can always, I mean, jerky's always up there on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, that was good. Packs of tuna. Just, I, I usually mix it up for lunch. Yeah. I'll even, depending on how long I'm going, I'll bring a log of salami, cheese and crackers if it's a little bit cool on the cooler side, if, you know, two or three days. A lot of times I'll just stay cool enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll eat. Mm. Salami doesn't go bad either. Mm -mm. Like, dude, you could take salami anywhere. Right. And never have to, like, maybe it'll get a little dry on you, but like, yeah, and it's a hell of a lot cheaper than jerky. Jerky's price of jerky is outrageous. Yeah, I just can't bring myself to be buying bags of jerky to, to take with me. Right, and I usually don't make a much jerky out of our deer. It just a lot of it goes to burger and yeah steak. And we, steak. We eat it all. Like if well, I made it into jerky, it would be there'd be nothing left. There'd be no deer. Yeah, <laughs> you know it goes fit quick if you turn it all into jerky. Yeah, seriously. It but, disappears. But yeah, as far as, and then dinners, like I said, it's usually just a mountain house. And I usually will sit down and, and I try and, uh, I just try and crunch the numbers. I got to get it, you know, I'm trying to get around 3,000 calories a day if I can. But that, it's, that's hard. Yeah. To, to keep that much food in your pack, especially like for longer trips. Mm-hmm. But so it's, I mean, sometimes it ends up being a little bit less, but you know, not always am I expelling a ton of energy up in the mountains either. Like I, I'm generally not moving all the time. Unless you're seeing a buck to chase. Right. And I don't, I'm, I'm never one to camp in one spot either. I'm not like a just moving. set up base camp and, you know, hunt out of there. And, Cause I don't want to be hiking a mile out and then turn around and have to hike a mile back to camp, you know, when yeah. I can just load up my camp and take it with me. Yeah. And so usually my camp's with me everywhere I go, and I just kind of work my way slowly through the mountains, and, you know, I'm not using up a ton of energy unless i got to go drop down in to get water or, mm -hmm. or putting a stock on a buck. But So I try not to, you know, use more energy than I, than I really have to, try and let the glass do as much work as it can, and usually try and have some sort of game plan before you even get up there to, like, where I'm going to move from spot to spot to spot and, and win and... Well, and a lot of it, though, is areas you sort of know a little bit already. So when you're going into it, you know, if you're not seeing bucks here, you're going to go over here to look for bucks over here. Mm -hmm. Kind of deal? Yeah, generally. I mean, there's also, and it depends, too, on, like I said, the, the length of the hunt. If it's just a day and a half or two-day hunt, then I'll, I'll cover more ground mm -hmm. and I can carry more food. Yeah. So, But it's been a while since I've done a, a seven-plus-day backpacking trip. Yeah. You know, the last, whatever, five or six years, it's just been a lot of two, three days, four day hunts. Yeah. At the most. Yeah. So, kind of kind of getting back into it a little bit. Are you excited? A little bit. I, I really enjoy it. I I know I, my my gear is really lacking. I know I, I got to upgrade some stuff. Like I was saying, I got to get a new, uh, I got to get a new sleeping pad. I was going to get a new... Uh, sleeping bag but I decided it can last a few more years my, <laughs> my I almost lost my sleeping bag 
uh, what was that, two two seasons ago. Oh, it, really? It blew off the top of a mountain. And oh, wow. Luckily found it, yeah, and ripped my, my tent, shredded it. So I got to get a new tent. Oh, wow. Yeah, or just get a new rainfly. I haven't looked into that yet to see if I can just buy the rainfly for it. Because rainfly is what got shredded. The rest of it's oh, okay. still usable. Well, something that I like, though, is that here you are. You know, and, and I'll put you in the top five hunters of the California state on public land. I don't care if you disagree with me or not. You're just getting awarded that today. And uh, you, you know what I mean? Like you kill big bucks. You're out there. You put in. The, I mean, mind you, you're putting in the work. You're putting in the effort. You know what I mean? You have the talent and the skill to do it. You know the animals. You know the language really well. But at the same time, the gear that you're running isn't the best gear it's not the newest flashiest thing and you know what i mean and that to me is so beneficial for so many more people to know that they don't have to go spend thousands of dollars on gear and they can have old camping equipment or old hunting gear that they've used forever Mm -hmm. you know like there's no rush dude it all works to upgrade everything works and if it's still working yeah i mean guys were backpacking in the the 70s and 80s with fucking canteens and aluminum mess kits and, and aluminum frame packs and you get and a flannel pot and you get a pot that had everything you needed inside the pot but it was a big ass pot yeah and so yeah i mean i i mean i started from you know basically with nothing i'm you know i had a jan sport backpack was my first pack i ever bought <laughs> <laughs> aluminum external frame jan, and that's I, I don't even remember where I got it. I might have went down to REI and got it or something. Mm-hmm. That would have been in like the, the, I don't know, 96, 97 or something. Mm-hmm. There was no hunting packs back then. There was... N- yeah, nobody had shit. Cabela's catalog, which was limited at the time. Yeah. And I had as this, far as hunting gear we went, this, really. Uh, the Salvation Army store in downtown Grass Valley here, and that's where I got my, my canteen and my little stove and mm-hmm. my mess <laughs> kit and, you know, just, just all the whatever I thought I needed to go backpacking back then and you know just slowly has evolved over the years just you know upgrading one little piece at a time and and just finding out what what works but yeah you definitely i mean you can go out and spend a a shitload of money on gear that's for sure Mm -hmm. and yeah it might make your hunts more comfortable a little more comfortable and that's really what it comes down to is you're buying comfort but it's like i think like mentally you can be just as comfortable Mm-hmm. with you know with shit that's mediocre i mean yeah. as long as you're mentally prepared for it and uh, that's know, all that matters yeah is that preparation man yeah just just knowing like you know i this is gonna suck and i'm okay with <laughs> yeah, it yeah and i'm okay with it like and you'll do so much better you'll, you'll you'll be you'll have so much more confidence up there and just not knowing you know just knowing that it's you know, okay. It, yeah, and it's hunting, right? <laughs> it's like you can go home if you want to. Like, yeah. if it's, it's not that big of a deal yeah. to, you know, not like you have to stay there the whole seven days, you know. If you're not feeling it after five days. Go home. Go home, you know. Yeah. Recharge or move your and, area. And, and, and do it again. Like, it's not. Go back to your truck for a day. Like, I don't know. It's just funny. Yeah, like, hunting to me, like, I, I, I love hunting, and it's a huge part of my life, but I don't take it that seriously, like, to where I'm you know, I forcing myself to, you know, stay in conditions that are terrible, uncomfortable. <laughs> like, you know, honestly, like I, I, I don't really care to hunt in the cold weather. It's just not, yeah. my, not my deal. Like I don't, yeah. 
I don't feel any, I hear like that. less of a man for not wanting to go backpack in November or I totally or hear that. It's like, dude, give me the the hot August days. Like, I love it. Like, I don't I don't need to worry about rain. Well, that's generally. like I don't got to worry about you know twenty degree temperatures with a thirty mile an hour wind. Mm-hmm. Like, but you know, for some people that's what they equate to. That's the type of shit you got to hunt in to to kill big bucks or. And that's not the truth. No, at all. It's just you just got to be out there. Yeah. And take advantage of whatever time you have and to be out there and and you know. And make it happen there's definitely you know times of year that are better than hunting than than others mm-hmm. for sure but you know I don't, I don't i don't get that serious about it. i'm not dialing in every piece of gear i have i'm not a professional <laughs> i'm not sponsored i don't i don't care to be yeah in in any of that i just i just like going and you know i make do with with what i got you know most of my funds Anything you know that I, extra that I have now, it goes to working on our house or to my son for school or whatever. Something. You know? Yeah, it's definitely hunting's not a big priority. Yeah. In my life right now, even though it's, I mean, it's a big part of my life, but it's not where I'm, you know, my focus. So it's like if I got to get by with shit gear for another however long until yeah. I can start upgrading some more stuff, I'll, you know, I'll do it and I'll just hunt when I can. Yeah. Within the means that I have. I'm definitely not gonna be I mean I did Colorado last year. I was kind of a little under undermanned for Colorado last year with zero degrees every morning and <laughs> yeah, it was it was brutal but uh yeah, it made me miss How was the Colorado hunt? It was not all it was cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. I I don't know, it was I waited I think I had seven or eight points. My cousin had nine, you know, and we'd been, we weren't waiting on this particular zone or anything or unit, but we just, you know, it was time to burn these points and I was looking to do a late season deer hunt and it was, it was pretty tough. There was a lot of deer, just a shitload of people. And I just didn't see anything that I wanted to hang a tag on. And it was kind of, that's like the discouraging part to me. It's just like, dude, I've seen and killed way bigger bucks at home. Like in California, in California, my backyard <laughs> on an over-the-counter tag. Yeah, and it just almost to me wasn't worth the time and the money. Yeah, to go out there and do that when it's like I could, I could do that here. Yeah, I mean I, I get it. I, I the adventure part of it is fun. You know I've done a lot of that. I've done a lot of out-of-state hunting, but I guess where I'm at now in my life that's just not a priority for me to go out and and do that like i i would i get way more uh satisfaction out of, of hunting close to home yeah you know and Spending i you that know the, the lure home. of going out of state especially somewhere like colorado is big bucks right i mean you're not you know of course there's there's more deer i some people like that they just like to be able to see more deer and have more opportunity but for me it's like if i'm going to go hunt out of state like i'm looking spend that much money yeah i'm i'm looking for something 150 or better oh like 180 or better really yeah i mean it can't i mean i ended up shooting a buck on the last day just to shoot a buck meat but yeah because i wasn't didn't want to come home tagless without any meat but we also had to we cut the hunt short a few days because my my cousin's uh mom well she's actually my cousin's i was hunting with my second cousin but her uh her house burnt down in the campfire and so we were, he was kind of messaging back and forth with her and she needed a place to stay. So we, we had to get out of there. And yeah. 
get Time back home. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I the the out of state thing to me, I've kind of slowly backed away from it some. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not. I've I've even quit. Like I still apply for Nevada, but I quit buying a license. I'm like I, I'm tired of giving giving away money for um, you know a chance at yeah. hunting for a point. You know, and it's like I like I said, I can hunt here every year and. Honestly, I, I I really love and embrace the challenge of hunting here. Yeah. Like, it's... It's, it's difficult. It's fucking hard. Yeah. You know? And... I've always kind of, like, challenging myself in different ways. Mm-hmm. I usually, you know, I like to handicap myself sometimes. As much as possible. Yeah, because, I mean, we, we live in a world where it's just, like... Everything is easy. Well, technology. Yeah, and everything yeah. is gotten so much easier and you know all yeah. the technology and and you know guys are shooting 100 yards with their bows and they you know range finders sinking and 120s with their bows scent locks and a thousand and all this yards cr- with their rifle yeah all this crap we've that's been manufactured to make hunting easier and yeah. it's like the deer haven't gotten any smarter the deer mm-hmm. haven't changed mm-hmm. and it's like i to me like i i like to challenge myself so it's like i go i go backwards i don't regress yeah i don't like looked for more technology to make my hunt easier. easier i look for ways to like make my hunt more challenging <clears throat> whether it's going from sh- shooting a rifle to shooting a bow which you know is obviously bow hunting is is harder but the time of year when you're bow hunting generally is usually better hunting mm-hmm. so you know that's you know not always a, a fair representation of you know challenging <laughs> yourself but yeah i've i've always liked but you are though you are you're a great example of you know challenging yourself well that's i think you know well hunting here is is totally a challenge it's like 100 percent. i've hunted enough out of state to know that you know it's really easy to go kill a buck out of state it's it it really is there's no challenge in going and and killing a 150 160 buck out of state generally Mm -hmm. on a you know on a on a good draw unit Go find a 180 in California. Yeah, exactly. That's a challenge. And a mature buck here is like, is a, you know, a mature buck here is a baby. Well, is the exact same thing as a mature buck in Colorado. It's the exact Mm -hmm. same thing as a mature buck in Utah. It's the same thing as, you know, Idaho. I was going to say a mature buck, what we call a mature buck. Size wise, score wise, you know, if that's what you're into, then, then yeah, that's totally different. But it's like, a mature buck's a mature buck. It doesn't matter what state it came out of. Like if you yeah. kill, if you kill a good mature buck, you've done something really good to be proud of. Yeah, and you know to do that here is is pretty pretty difficult. And so yeah, I you know I feel like people as a whole should be challenging themselves to make hunting harder, not easier. Like because yeah. it's we have so much available to us now to make it easier that yeah. it's i don't know it's not i don't want to get into the whole get in it political side of hunting <laughs> and and uh you know taking a stand on whatever I, I really don't care i mean if people want to go people do whatever they want it doesn't affect me at all yeah but uh i just feel like you know it should be hunting should be challenging and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be easy. We shouldn't be trying to make hunting easier. We should be trying to make it harder on ourselves by limiting ourselves, not shooting a thousand yards, you know, at deer or 
1500 yards or whatever some of these guys are doing now. yeah is that shot hard yeah i mean it takes a lot of skill and practice practice to to do the long range shooting but you know does it have a place in deer hunting maybe yeah i don't know i'm not one to really speculate either way on it but i just i guess in a way it kind of is making it harder long range shooting but i don't know kind of getting off on a get it on a, on a tangent but nah, man get it dude that's what this is about but yeah i don't know i just try and I, I, I usually have my way of doing things mm -hmm. and I really try and stick to my own personal goals, my own, you know, my own restrictions that I yeah. place on myself to, on how I hunt. And to be successful. Yeah. And yeah, and that's it. And it's like, at the end of the day, you know, if I get something awesome, if I don't, I don't care. I don't, and I don't feel any pressure to fill tags. I don't care, yeah. you know to make an Instagram post or to, yeah. to whatever. I mean, I haven't killed a buck in D zone in two years. Mm -hmm. I just haven't seen what I wanted to shoot. I mean, I could have filled a few tags, but you know, I'm Passed just, on them. yeah, I'm just looking for what I'm looking for and I'm not going to waver from my, you know, my, my plans to, you know, fill a tag. If I'm looking for a 170 buck and a 160 bucks jumps out, probably not going to shoot him. Mm -hmm. But I just, you know. Well, something that I like you brought up, you, you know, you brought up, you know, killing a buck for a post on Instagram or something like that, you know, doing a, doing a post, you know, and, and uh, something that happened when you shot your buck this year. And, I mean, of course, you're going to post something on Instagram. You shot your buck. It was a great buck. Um, was getting people just taking your photo and posting it all over the place. Yeah, you yeah. know, and you're kind of like, you could at least message me about yeah, it. Yeah, at least ask. Like, I mean, I didn't tag a single person in the photos. Yeah. Uh, I didn't send them to anybody, but, you know, just people were just grabbing it. And partially, I mean, I understand, you know, the people game. get excited yeah. about it and that's cool. Cheering you on. Yeah, which is, you know, not why I do it. Yeah. But. Yeah, no, it was a kind of a crazy thing. I was kind of just trying to keep it kind of somewhat mellow. Modest. And, yeah, and uh, it kind of got out of control. <laughs> it went for, the opposite direction. Kind of got and... out of control for a little while, but, you know, it was, it's it's all it's all good. There was, yeah, there was a lot of people who were pretty excited about it, and, which is, is really cool. Like, I mean, it's, you know, that, I mean, that in itself is kind of what, it's all about is just just trying to keep people you know motivated to mm -hmm. to keep you know the opportunities out there yeah because that's the thing is like you just hear so many people bashing on california and how shitty the hunting is how there's no deer the mismanagement of our deer herds and i mean it just goes on and on and on mm -hmm. and it's like it really a lot of it it's either one that's going to drive people away from hunting or it's yeah it's it's not doing anybody any good so a lot of what i try and do is just try and show that you know there's the success the, can the be potential had. is out there yeah. like you know and it doesn't happen every year you have to literally you have to work your ass off it's it's a year round it's a year round thing i mean i'm not finding deer in january that i'm killing in, <laughs> in august but you know i'm constantly thinking about it. i'm constantly researching constantly looking at maps i'm yeah. checking out 
winter ground areas and it's like you know you have to put the work in to to be successful here probably more than anywhere else there is you know well and if you can hunt west, hard but, and be successful in california you can hunt hard anywhere and be successful with good animals i think yeah i mean well a lot of that is just you know work ethic and then just skill set that you that you gain while doing it mm -hmm. um but you know there there is a, there's a there's a lot of opportunity here and just people a lot of times just get turned off by you know what they see or what they read and what people are telling them about how there's no deer it's not like it used to be and you know where is you know as good as it was right. in the, the 60s and 70s. It's nowhere. and Nowhere at just, all. Just get out there and, and just keep hunting, you know. Like I had, uh, you know, dreams when I was, you know, teenager, early 20s of, you know, having a magazine article published from a deer that I shot. You You've know? been that in was, a, quite a few magazines. Well, this, so that buck I shot last year, it's coming out in Muley Crazy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's what issue he told me just about had it wrapped up here a couple weeks ago but yeah i think i'm on you know that'll be my my third california buck that's been featured in a you know in a, a well-known magazine yeah you know one in eastman's one in western hunter now muley crazy i've had hunting fool mm -hmm. although that was a colorado buck but you know three good bucks from california that you know that i would have never have thought that you know I would have had a buck in a magazine from California. <laughs> you know, I always, you know, dreamed about Idaho and Nevada and Colorado and just all these other places where there was supposedly all these giant bucks yeah. running around, you know, and that's where you had to go. And, you know, that's why a lot of the reason why I kind of bailed here hunting for a long time is just chasing those, chasing those dreams somewhere mm -hmm. else when it's like they were right here the whole time. Isn't that funny? And yeah, and it's just, it's just how it's worked out and yeah you know honestly it's, it's I, I wouldn't have it any other way really i mean ever since i was a little kid i've you know always wanted to you know shoot some good bucks up here in the, in the sierras <laughs> and it just always seemed like on general tags <laughs> mission impossible for so long and and uh and then it finally just started started kind of clicking and Falling coming together place. and and yeah, and now I'm to the point where it's like, yeah, I don't even care if I go out of state anymore. It's like I can, I can satisfy my needs here, and it's that much better if it takes me two, three, four years before I finally kill the buck that I wanted to kill. You yeah, know? absolutely. That's crazy, dude. It's it's crazy to think and hear somebody say, you know, I'm just not that worried about out of state hunting anymore. And I can just do it here. You know, like that's balls, dude. <laughs> that's balls. <laughs> you know? Well, but it's true though. It's true though. There were, I mean in some of the bucks that I saw that never made the internet last year that came out of you know, from B zone to D zone into California X zone. Mm -hmm. There's stud bucks. Oh, there's monsters. That okay. came out of every zone. Oh, absolutely. That there's, never saw the light of day. There's a lot of good bucks that get killed in this state. And, yeah, like I said, a lot of them just don't get shown. A lot of people don't really care to... to Some to, people don't even... I'm just one of the few that yeah. puts my shit out there. Yeah. And I try and keep it discreet for the most part as far as locations and 
all that kind of stuff. All that. There's a couple I don't really care if people really know, but yeah. Um, but no, there's some really good hunters in this state, and they kill some really good bucks that you just you never you never see. Yeah. And it's kind of neat though that is. that happens. It really is. There's um, you don't know the potential is is definitely out there and you know i get a lot of messages here and there about people you know just hey thanks man you're just giving me inspiration to you know get up there and hit it harder this year and mm -hmm. you know that's to me that's we get messages about people memorizing your podcasts <laughs> being like you got to have doug back on the podcast we got to let we got to hear from doug again i memorized it i need to know more you know so yeah. it's you know yeah no it's good to you know i'm always excited to see you know, when people send me a picture like, hey, I, you know, I finally got this buck. I did what you said to do and, you know, I got him. And, it's, and it worked. Yeah, and it worked. Or, you know, I was looking for deer, but I found a bear and I shot this bear. The first bear I've ever shot. And it's like, fuck yeah, yeah. dude. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Like being able to share in, in other people's success. Yeah. And uh, just it's rewarding. Help and motivate people out along the way. I, you know, I don't, I'm not able to get to everybody's messages and stuff that they send to me but i try and respond to most people that send as me much messages as you can and answer questions and i'm not going to tell you what zone i'm hunting but mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm always more than uh willing to help somebody out who's just got some some general questions about you know when and where and what and yeah well what kind of tips would you give to somebody that's looking to get into the sierras you know or you know get into some high country in california on a general tag you know when they're looking for bucks and the bucks disappear or, or whatever, you know, what are some things that you're doing out there? I just glassing. I mean, that's, that's the main thing is just not, you, you have to stay on it all day long. And generally I don't find bucks early in the morning mm -hmm. i usually find them late morning midday mm -hmm. is when i found a, a lot of, of a lot of in the high country in the high country yeah, yeah. um it's different know, than the desert luck. well yeah it's for whatever reason i mean the desert you just you can you can see so much more but yeah. in the up in in the high country up here it's it's pretty limited so you really just have to keep watching i mean i've got you know pictures and trail cam photos of, of really nice bucks in the middle of rifle season just walking through the opening through the wide open during the middle of the day mm -hmm. and this, just, they're out there you just got to keep looking and you know a lot of people are either giving up or they just think they only got that first hour to find them or two hours and you know that magic hour in the morning and or evening and but it's you know you just have to stay after it all day long yeah and just is just not stop keep going keep going and i mean i, I wish i could you know say hey you know look on a north slope at this type of bush and <laughs> there's a magical <laughs> buck that yeah, will appear the at 10 30 a.m you know they're uh it's it's not that way and a lot of it's just trying to just trying to find them finding pockets you know a lot of these older bucks don't really like to move too much mm -hmm. they get really kind of lazy and so they'll sit and once they find a spot where they're not getting pressure and they got good food and water they get comfortable. They get comfortable, and, and they stay within a small, they might stay within a 100, 200-yard area all day long for weeks. Yeah. You know, and you're bouncing from ridge top to ridge top, you know, and looking at all these different areas, and that deer is just sitting in one little spot, you know. You, you might pop his head out a couple times a day to where you can, you know, get a decent look at him. How long would you recommend someone to stay in one spot glassing? 
Oh. Um, that That's like a judgment call. Like, to me, like, I, I usually... I usually try and commit to a, to a, um, you know, a solid morning in a basin until like about 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. you know, from sun up till 10 ish. And then that, if I haven't seen anything that looks decent, I'll usually will move over into a next, into the next basin for, uh, you know, a couple more hours and catch that late morning. Cause a lot of times you catch a move in between 11 and one, mm-hmm. you know, and then mid afternoon that you usually I'm usually in in route to another spot where I want to be for the late afternoon, early evening, and see what you turn up yeah, there. Yeah, so I mean, a, a few hours, but it depends on how much you can see too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just so many factors. It's you know, of, of, yeah, like I said, how much you can see and the time of day. Yeah, the weather, like you know, I don't. If if I have the choice, I'll avoid full moons if I can but if not I'm just not going to detour my hunting at all I'm like mm-hmm. I'm going to stick to my my plan even on a full moon whether it's a full moon or a new moon new moon do you think the animal behavior changes a lot on a full moon yeah not a, not a lot I don't think it's not like they move or go anywhere but I definitely feel like you see more activity later in the morning afternoon early afternoon not so much first light last light but yeah also see them you know it's that's why it's just you just hunt from sun up to sundown you all day quit. long. You just don't quit. You just keep glassing. You stay out there. You stay out there and you know find a slope. Try and anticipate where where's going to be shady and where's not. And yeah, and you know maybe set yourself up to be watching a sh- shady spot a little bit later. Or I mean you never know when you. But it's like that all same thing in the middle of the afternoon. Don't overlook the wide open sun either because you'll see them right out in the land. You know, yeah. Well, or just walking moving yeah. from one bed to another at three o'clock in the afternoon when it's 95 degrees out and they're just walking across the open you're like what the hell well another thing too is like so we'll go up into these spots where it's 95 degrees right or whatever the temperature is we'll go up into these spots and then we'll be like well god it's hot i want some shade the animals live in that every single day all day so they're climatized to it they're used to it that's their normal way of life so, I mean, it makes sense for them to just be up and about, you know, at certain points of the day, because it's kind of not a big deal well, for the Well, it depends animal. on uh, the time of year, too, because, you know, from July <clears throat> into August, you know, June, July, early August, they're they're feeding heavy, yeah, growing their antlers. I mean, that's what their their primary drive for them is is growing those antlers and they're they're putting on a little bit of body fat but a lot, a lot of that nutrition is just going to growing antlers and, and they're hungry mm-hmm. so they're out feeding you know a lot and then even once you hit early august first week of august they're generally pretty much done growing and at that point they're transitioning to just putting on body fat so it's they go from you know feeding their horns to to, to fattening up and they're still they're they're just they're hungry and they'll be that way until you know maybe that first second week of september once they've basically got most of their body fat on but they've also started shedding their summer coat their winter winter coat starting to come in yeah you know they got a good layer of fat on them now and gearing up for the gearing up for the rut and it's they don't want to move that much you know by the time they got a, a winter coat on and a good layer of fat 
you know, they're not going. You're not going to see them out moving. Yeah. Like you do during archery season earlier in August, and even beginning a rifle season, they're still transitioning um, to that winter coat and everything, and they'll be out feeding more. But, um, yeah, that's just that's the best time to be out looking for them. It's just because they're they're so hungry that they're just a lot more visible, and that's why you know a lot of times you you do you see a lot less activity going into October. Yeah. Until you get later into the October when, you know, it starts it starts getting cold enough that the deer feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, getting out into the open and don't mind the sun hitting them so much. Yeah. Not that they've gone nocturnal. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. And we're going to talk a little bit about running. Because you kind of like taking up running. I have a little bit. Just a little bit. In the last six months, I I decided to... Uh... So, can you look on your phone right now and tell us how many miles you've run since you've been tracking it? Well, I've only been tracking it since... Well, I think I only have since J January 1st. Oh, you know. Seven months. Sorry. <laughs> I have to hold on a sec. Yeah, take your time, man. And then we're going to go back to nocturnal bucks. <laughs> My favorite subject. Your favorite subject. Okay, here we go. So, so far this year, it says 599 miles since January 1st. And I'm pretty sure that's missing at least probably 25. A and few good miles. Yeah, it's missing some miles. 77,000 feet of elevation gain. So, yeah, I've been running a little bit. Yeah, I'll say. Just a little <laughs> bit. So, kind of, what lit this fire inside you to just dive into running all of a sudden? Well, there's a lot of a lot of reasons, and I haven't, I can't really just, there's not one, one yeah. reason. There's actually was a multitude of reasons. Uh, one of them being... I, I made a promise commitment to myself a couple of years ago that I was going to be in the best shape of my life when I was 40. Mm -hmm. And I just turned 40 just over a month ago. And so this was a few years ago that I told myself I was going to be in the best shape of my life when I'm 40. And just about that time, a little bit before, I, I started having some hip problems. Yeah. And I've been fighting it for a couple of years now. I've uh, been back and forth with doctors, physical therapists, I've had MRIs, x-rays, seen specialists, uh, physical therapy, if I didn't mention that already, all kinds of shit. And nobody can tell me what's wrong with my hip. It's just, I, it started locking up on me. I've lost lateral mobility in my hip. And so that was one of the, one of the reasons why I was kind of putting it off for a while. Cause I, I knew as, as I've been getting older, I've definitely noticed the, it's, gets a little bit harder and harder each year i i honestly I've, up until i started running i've never ran more than three miles in my life in a in a single run mm -hmm. um i've always just been able to throw my pack on and just go every year never have to worry about getting in shape for yeah. for anything i i usually generally never got out of shape i stay busy all year round i'm always hiking and and doing whatever and I like I, I ran a little bit only when it was you know necessary or it was getting kind of close to hunting season I would 
I would start running just a little bit, but you know, like mile to three mile runs at the most. And I, as like I said, it was just getting, getting older, it was getting harder. And I felt like I really needed to do something, but my hip was bugging the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tore my quadriceps tendon, part of it off my, off my knee on oh, my God. left side a couple years ago. Um, just it was just seemed like it was one thing after another. I was having issues um, physically, and it actually got to the point where it was it was wearing on me mentally. Like I was having not a hard time day to day, but just like you know, just the the constant pain in my hip and just having to stretch and everything I had to do and just not getting any answers for what was wrong and what was causing it and like like mentally it was wearing was, was, was draining on me and I got uh I got turned on to the book uh Can't Hurt Me, David Goggins. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've listened to that or yeah. read that. I uh I I came across that. I, I read it uh, just a little quick snippet of his of his story, his life story and I thought you know, and it was a lot of it was about, you know, mental strength. And I thought, you know, that sounds like a book I should, I'm not, I've never bought an ebook. I hardly ever read books. I read magazine articles. I read, yeah, you know, stuff online, but I'm just not a book reader. But so anyway, I ended up buying, that was the first audio book I've ever bought. Audio books are the <laughs> best thing on the planet. And I didn't even get, uh, I don't even know if I got through the first like two or three chapters and. Next thing I know, I'm strapping on shoes and I'm out there running. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, it's just something about it just made sense to me after, you know, just getting into that book and uh, just everything I was going through. And I just decided, you know what, I need to, I need to start running. And I just, and luckily, Kirk, something. Kirk my hunting buddy, has been running for a long, He long knows time. a running shoe like nobody's business. Yeah, he runs a uh the shoe store he's been in the you know he's been in the the business the industry for a long time i mean the guy's done 100 mile races he's you know he's a legit runner and luckily i had him to kind of bounce a few stupid questions off of and and uh he got me kind of started and i just kind of kind of took off with it and you know it kind of goes back to the you know, challenging yourself to, mm-hmm. you know, myself to, to do things. And it's just, that's kind of what it's become for me is just, you know, another way of challenging myself to, to do something that I've never done before. And it's just, it's morphed into like so much more with, uh, you know, how it's like my physical well-being, my mental well-being, yeah. how I see it affects my son and how much he enjoys seeing me doing it and like motivating him and you know he's five years old and he's going out running three four miles with me did a 10k race you know and just seeing how much he's you know watching and seeing me do it and the stories that you post on your instagram page when you're out running with him are like highlights of my day (laughs) like i i love watching that because he's so involved. Yeah. Oh, he, he. You know what I mean? Like he is there with you doing it. He's like, and he's pushing himself, and it's like that's something like Elizabeth and I, my wife, talked about the other day. Is just you know we <laughs> actually I I need to start doing some research into kids running because I don't I don't want him to overextend himself, but he's really motivated to, you know, he wants to go run ten miles. Yeah. Which 
you know, he might be able to do. He turns six next weekend, but you know, is should we? Can is that he? okay? Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> is he you gonna know, hurt himself? Yeah. Is it, is it too young? I don't know. But he's, you know, just seeing how much he's, you know, how much it's, it's changed his, you know, day to day life and how he, he's a lot gotten a lot more, you know, athletic and yeah, he just, you know, he really enjoys it and just. It's it's super awesome just to see, you know, just the changes it's had on me, the changes it's had on my son, um, and honestly, without even knowing it, five months into running, six months into running, it took me that long before I realized I was like, holy shit, my hip is getting better. Mm-hmm. Like, and I didn't. There's no explanation for it. I mean, so from everything that I've, all the doctors and tests Stuff. and everything that I've been through the only thing they can tell me is I have arthritis in my hip and that's it moderate osteoarthritis in my right hip and that's it and it's got me I still can't lift my leg out to the right it's my right hip I can't move my leg out the right forward backwards doesn't bother me impact it doesn't bother me but it's just that that lateral movement is just excruciating pain and there's just something's something's locked in there I don't know what the hell it is but just but over the course of running it's just it's slowly gotten better my low back used to really give me hell too um and it's gotten insanely better like i if i was at 65 percent before i'm at 80 percent now mm-hmm. you know i'm still not 100 percent, but but you're getting I'm, better you're I'm, making progress yeah i'm so much better than i was and you found your own solution it's not some prescribed yeah, bullshit who'd have thought you know like, <laughs> <laughs> who'd have thought treating my body better yeah or know? just you know not that, that you much. were treating it bad but just you know your goal be in the best shape that you possibly can yeah and here you are doing it and what you're doing is mentally fixing you probably on emotional levels fixing you in some ways you know what i mean and then physically it's making your body realign and be better right and i don't know what people other people think of it or why why i do it but you know it's just it's there's just i i've got more reasons to run than I do not to run mm-hmm. now and and the fact that my my body is like responding to it so well and in a good and way getting physically better it's like I don't see myself stopping now like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> like I can't now and and not only you know like I said got a ton of reasons more reasons to run than not to run and one I didn't realize my son was going to really dive run into with, it yeah, yeah he wasn't but a lot of it was I was looking at one of the reasons why I wanted to be in in good shape is because he's only well he's going to be six but you know if I want to be able to go backpacking with him when he's old enough 20 25 in 30, 10 years I mean, he'll go before that I'm sure but yeah we're talking 20 years down the road like what about when what, he wants to go you know, on his first backpack country hunt? right what what kind of shape am I going to be in 20 years from now if I don't do anything or if I just let myself go at and, 60 yeah at 60 65 you know like I want to still be able to go not and, back country hunting shape. Yeah, no, I want to be able to do that. Yeah, no, I'm, I know. I'm just saying until I'm 70. So it's like yeah. I gotta, I gotta do something. Yeah, you, you can't just throw a pack on every summer when you're 65 years old and go for it. And go for it. No, and and I see some of these guys and like, the running community is awesome. Uh-huh. Uh huh. First, I just I have not met a person, a single runner yet that was not just a good person god that sounds so different um yeah it's it's 
it's it's amazing every race i've been to uh just everybody you talk to is always just super cool it's a great super nice great community and yeah it's just been a, a lot of fun like yeah. just you know learning I'm, I'm still learning about it. I'm doing my first uh kind of skipped from a half marathon to an ultra marathon you got a big one coming up yeah 30 uh, uh, 50k i was gonna miles. sign up for it but my ankle's still swollen <laughs> well my ankle's kind of swollen from last weekend i did 27 miles on saturday oh damn and uh i don't know what the hell i did but i didn't twist my ankle i did something it's been kind of bugging the shit out of me but this is my not my week off but i'm supposed to take it easy this week yeah according, according to the experts so oh <laughs> Is that Kirk? <laughs> no. Well, Kirk, yeah, Kirk said to take it easy too, but yeah, I guess it's your, your taper week. So mm -hmm. I don't, my, uh, my knowledge on running is, is about as good as my knowledge on hunting gear. It's, <laughs> it's kind of old school. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not up to date. The nutrition part to me is, is the part where I'm kind of struggling now. Cause we talking about backpacking and, and the amount of food that I need, like backpacking. Uh, I don't know how the hell anybody can run more than four hours without eating a meal. Like, I have to stop and eat a meal. Yeah, and so I've only done a couple runs over 20 miles. And that's the learning curve of that. It's like, I, you know, trying to just keep myself from starving to death and losing energy. And, yeah. And, you know, how much can you eat and, you know, how much time can you... Well, you know, and that's the the other thing with, with running, too. Like, I'm not I'm not competing for any sort of place in a, well, in a it's run. it's just a battle it's against just, yourself, man, exactly. in your own numbers. Exactly. Which, that's so great. Which is awesome. Like, you're not, yeah, there's not that element of, of, uh, you, you, of yeah, that element of competition. It's like you're just in a competition with yourself. And at the end of the day, when it comes down to a, you know, a, a run of that distance to me, or I would think most people, is just finishing it as the goal, not, you know, finishing it in, in record time, which... I mean, there's guys out there, there's some just amazing runners out there. When I just, I look at their, their times and the terrain and everything they're running in and I start crunching the numbers and I'm just like, how the hell is that even possible? Like the guy that just won the Western States 100 this year, you know, 14 hours, a hundred miles. Like I, how do you even do how that? How do you do that? 18,000 feet elevation gain in that, like 26 of elevation loss, I think. I mean, it's. Yeah. And then you start breaking down like his pace for that hundred miles, and it's just it's unbelievable to be able to go that distance. And I I, I just <laughs> I, I don't know enough. I need to go and watch some of these some of these runs because the way I was looking at it, I was gonna need I would need at least three meals that I would have to eat. I, I think about every 10 miles I have to eat at least a meal or something. So <laughs> that's one of the things I gotta, I gotta figure out is, you know, how, how much food do I got? How to get the meal in? Yeah, how much food do I pack or, you know, in my pack or how much, uh, you know, I don't know the, the whole aid station situation. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's all a learning curve, it's, it, but it's a lot of fun. And I'm definitely looking, looking forward to it to, you know, do this this 31 miles and we'll see see how it goes now can you do like if you were running could you take like a quick mass shake in oh, your I'm pack sure you, you like can, a 1200 calorie drink 
Oh, I'm sure you could. I mean, you could take whatever you want. I mean, you could take tacos and hamburgers and... Now we're talking. Yeah. I, I'm almost starting to lean towards it. I mean, some real food. But I, I, I got to do some more... Research about more research. tacos I'm a, I'm and a, eating yeah, and running? I'm a, I'm a total rookie at it. I just, <laughs> I just run. Um, and I really like running hills. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, it was the, the very first run I did. I, I just... I remember, and I didn't think it was that bad. So when I first started running, I was I like literally, I'm searching out flat places to run because obviously I live in the hills up here, and there's just yeah, there's nowhere flat to run around here. So I was like looking for places to go that I could run where it was flat, and so I did that for the first like month of running, you know, just trying to run some semi hilly to flat country, and then I did a, a 10k. It was the first one I first run race I did and then after the race I just heard people standing around like just bitching about how hilly the course was mm -hmm. and I was like what are you fucking kidding me that was like yo this is cake that was nothing I'm like <laughs> I'm like well I guess that's it I guess I need to start hitting the hills yeah you know and to, to to have an advantage over a lot of these people that were you know complaining about it and luckily I mean I live on the side of a mountain here so I got no choice right. but to to run hills all the up time up and down and, and that's yeah these some of these ultra runs it's just it's insane the amount of amount of hill you got to run and these guys are just flat out running a eight eight and a half minute pace just over just some crazy terrain i can barely run an eight and a half minute pace on flat land but <laughs> Damn. no it's 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 a lot of fun I, I i enjoy it and i see myself doing it for a while as long as my body's able to hold up hold up to it because you know i've had I've had several knee surgeries, which is another reason why I've never really done much running. I, I was always of the of the mindset that I needed to preserve what I had. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't need to wear my knees out any more than they already were. Yeah. And uh, I was saying I tore my quadriceps tendon a couple of years ago, and that was something that the doctors, you know, it's like you got you have arthritic knees, and you know I was told that when I, I mean I had my first knee surgery when I was 12 years old. Sixth, sixth grade and the doctors told me then he's like you're gonna have arthritis in your knees when you get older mm -hmm. and i was like well at that point i didn't really didn't really care but didn't mean anything yeah, back it then didn't, it mean to, but when this quadriceps tendon tore off my knee that's what <coughs> the doctor told me he's just like you got arthritis in your knees and that's probably why it's you know that happened i mean it was a shitty fall i took too but you know the, the, the all that reality is sinking in and i'm just thinking shit i can't you know i gotta preserve what i what i got you know and and my knee now or I tore the quadriceps tendon is 10 times better than it was before I started running. Isn't like my funny? knee has gotten so much, my lip, I just feel like the, the, my muscle structure around my joints have gotten so much stronger because of it. Well, the body is so smart as far as adapting when it needs to, you know? Right. So yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep staying after it and until until you can't run Until anymore. Until I can't run anymore. And, you know, I, I see guys out there, some of these local runs, are they're, they're fun just because it's, you know, a bunch of local guys, community is really good. And there's this one guy, I've seen him at every one of the local races I've been to. And he's like, God, I want to say he's like 86, 87. And he's out there with a, with a, a walker. He does a, he does the 5K every time. He does the, the really? 3.1 miles just with, with walker. his walker. And just it, going, yeah, just going. I'm like, dude, that's where I want. That's, you know, yeah. I don't want to be in a walker, but I, it 
It's like even if I'm am in a walk, am in a walker, like I still want to be out there. I hope that I have the it. energy. That's to gonna be, be me doing on the this. mountain. I'm gonna be on the on the mountain with a walker, like <laughs> gun strapped to my shoulder, and uh, yeah, just crawling my way up the mountain, just still trying to do it, and hopefully uh, call an axle to come pack my buck off the mountain for me when it's you know when I get one. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Man. Yeah, it's it's super cool. There's well, it's just been so much fun to watch you come into this newfound passion of running you know and and you know obviously getting to talk to you throughout it and all of that as well but just it's so cool it's so it's so cool to watch yeah you know and see and i'm over here injured like meh <laughs> well that's it dude i mean i'm dude my ankle it it went out on me on that on that run last weekend around mile yeah. 20 and i had to keep going i had to keep going there was nobody was going to go get me i was back in on some roads that were snowed in like you couldn't nobody was coming in there to get me yeah. i had to get the hell out of there and i just you need to be airlifted out i was like you, you got to find a way to run out of here there's yeah. no way you're you know it's going to take you half a day to walk it's like you, <laughs> you have to figure this out you know and yeah. i got to a point where i could run on it again and i would take off running but it, as soon as i would stop it would start killing me and i'd have to you know, get to a point where I could, you That's know. That's rough, dude. Yeah, it sucked, and now I'm just hoping it's going to heal up in time for that, this next run, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, e either way, it's, this one was kind of a, a filler, because we had originally just signed up for that 30K mm -hmm. um, in August, and now we're going to, we slipped this one in, a, a 50K in between, <laughs> a couple weeks early, just, just for fun, and yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun i like the the struggle of it like the the definitely the the longer runs I, it's yeah it's it's hard. yeah it's it's hard I, I mean i'm not gonna i hope i don't make it look easy because it's not it's 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 a struggle perseverance it's, it's man. just like hunting d zone right I yeah mean, you just you just <laughs> grinding keep, it just out just keep grinding it out dude and you're, you're tired you're wore out you're not seeing shit but you just keep you don't going. know what's over that next ridge and all it takes is one more you know right one more opportunity and you know running's kind of that same way you just keep just got to find a way to stay in it you just you just keep moving forward and you know at the end of the day you just you're just hoping to finish yeah for sure for sure but yeah the running thing is it's going to be around for a while good i'm excited hopefully i'll get to run with you at some point yeah yeah it'll, it'll be awesome it'll happen yeah we'll have to we'll hook something up we'll uh <laughs> if there's a race uh kirk told me he's doing a 50 miler i think in sonoma so we'll... when's that sometime i think in like february march oh yeah yeah it's in so, napa i think yeah yeah so you should sign up for that one yeah <laughs> we'll see where i'm at i don't know where i'll be in february right well if you sign up for it you'll be there that's very true i like how you just told me you know to not be a bitch that's what you just said yeah no excuses and indirectly no, excuses. no weak shit yeah no weak yeah. shit Throw a that back 50 mile you. race well it's that's the thing i don't really like to even call it a race because it's like well 50 it's mile a run. run it's just a 50, run a fucking yeah. 50 miles 50 is 50 mile miles yeah. I mean, whether race, it's a run. race or a run i'm just coming in last it doesn't right. matter well, but you never know yeah that's crazy yeah i i 
I never thought I would have, have done it. Or, well, I ran that far, but I never thought I would have gotten into any kind of distance running. It always, mm-hmm. I hated running with a passion. Yeah. And uh, it literally was that just that mental block of of just just getting over it, getting through it, and getting over the hump, and really just you know. I hate to be say cliche, get it sayings, but you know just the the struggle, you know, of the mental struggle of it is is powerful, mm-hmm. you know. Pulling You're coming through. out the other side, man. Yeah, you know, and I I feel confident when I say that when we apply ourselves to things like that and we come out the other side and we continue it and we gain a stride and um, develop really healthy behavior because of it the confidence level it brings into our everyday life and you know our mannerisms and, and everything that we have going on all the time is insane oh yeah you know what i mean it it bleeds over into everything yeah and it yeah it does it just makes you know you wake up at 3 30 in the morning and you go run eight miles you know and then get back home and you know i I make breakfast i make my lunch you know and i get ready and i go work a 10-hour day at work Mm -hmm. and i get home and you know I'm, i'm i'm tired yeah and then and Axel wants to go on a and run. And then Axel wants to go for a run. It's like, you know what? I can do that. It's not It's not a big deal, you know? Stupid little shit comes up at work, you know? And it's just like, you know what? I, no it, big it deal. Just, it's no big deal. It just makes everyday life things so much easier. Simple. You know, you get home from work, you know, normally you'd be tired from getting home from work and there's dishes to do. And you're just like, ah, fuck it. I, you know, I don't want to do dishes. Now it's just like, ah, dishes? That's fucking easy. Like, yeah. you know, cleaning up the house. Five minutes, done. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just makes the shit that just seemed the trivial bullshit yeah just the trivial bullshit just makes it so much easier and and yeah it really it you get just a different perspective on life and what's important and Mm -hmm. you know you can just really let your mind drift when you're out there running and just really just think about what's important in life and what's not and you know that's health has definitely moved to the forefront of my life Mm -hmm. and priorities where not that it's, you know, I've never been like unhealthy. We've always ate really good and maintained some sort of, you know, level of uh, decent balance. Of, yeah, of being in shape. But now I, it's just, you know, looking at this second half of my life. I guess you could say is, you know, I I I don't want to go out fucked up. I don't want to go out, you know, limping and just having all kinds of issues problems yeah i just i want to you know finish strong just yeah be in shape and be happy and be healthy and be happy be healthy be strong and the rest is bullshit yeah and it really is because yeah can't take nothing when you go yeah just you can be just being happy with what you got yeah huge right I've been doing a lot of that lately, you know, uh, I don't want, you know, you were saying clearing your mind and really thinking about what really matters in life when you're on your runs, you know, and I've been, I've been going through a lot of meditation and and personal reflection for the last, I don't know, like two or three months about 
what do I want out of life, you know, and where am I, um, what things am I missing, you know, that maybe I should focus on more, you mm-hmm. know, or, or, you know, what am I missing, you know, how can I achieve that or get that, which has been a, quite the adventure, let me tell you what, <laughs> but, you know, it's, I like that. I like how you put that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've done a lot of, yeah, same, same thing, personal reflecting the last year or two, just trying to, yeah, figure out, you know, what, what the hell, what, you know, what makes you happy, you know, and what do you have to do to, you know, to maintain happiness, a, a level of happiness without, you know, a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Drama and fucking just every you know free yourself from you know i mean i hate to you know i i I hate politics like it's one thing that i just i had to step away from like that's one thing that drives me nuts i I, stepped away yeah i can i can get myself worked up over it pretty easy and you know it's just it's not worth it yeah there's just so many things out there that are dude you're sad so many people are just so ungrateful for with you know a lot of what they have and just not appreciating taking it for granted man. yeah and just yeah I can't remember if I was telling you that earlier this earlier or not but it's just like I want to be I just want to be happy I want to be happy with nothing yeah is where I want to be I want to be just not that I want to be homeless but you know just the homeless guy you see on the side of the road it's, it's happy as shit happy as could fucking be and just just happy to be alive you know and just everything else beyond that is just you're just grateful. a bonus yeah you're just grateful for yeah anything and everything you have and having a roof over your head and right being able to go hunting you know in your backyard you know or just right up the hill even if the hunting sucks <laughs> it's like you know what you still get to do it yeah you still get to do it you still yeah. get out there and yeah. it's like you know it, i I don't have to kill a deer it's not like i'm starving to death and i you know i'm having to hunt up in d zone and to you know, to, <laughs> just to put meat. In My the family relies on this meat. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just not that big a deal to get so worked up over stuff you have no control over, like mountain lions and yeah. game wardens and bear counts. Yeah. And just, just crazy stuff. And yeah. No, it's, like I said, it's, you know, probably one of the reasons why I'm just totally content and happy hunting here in the worst zone in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> That's relatable. Yeah, man, it's it's a trip, dude. You know, and and you know, you were saying remove yourself from politics and whatnot, you know, and I used to be really involved in uh friends of the NRA and a lot of gun rights activity in the state of California, you know, and all pre, I don't know, 2013, 2012. So it was a long time ago. You know, and then, you know, get into national politics and what the, the political landscape looked like at that time and everything like that. And I was talking to a buddy of mine. And, you know, I can't remember exactly what he said, but, you know, he, it essentially boiled down to, a few more years of this. I mean, my doctor's already telling me my my blood rate, my blood pressure is rising. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and he blamed it directly on politics. And I was like, and I was like super involved, man. And I mean, like radio, you know, everything, reading all news outlets, everything like that, you know, really breaking everything down. And after I heard him say that, dude, it gave me like a minute to reflect. It gave me a lot longer than a minute to reflect, but I spent a lot of time reflecting on myself and what I was doing to myself being that engaged in all of it. And it was just like, dude, here he is talking about his blood pressure rising and this and that. And I was like, what's it doing to me? And am mm-hmm. I willing to sacrifice this or am I willing to sacrifice my health to, you know, be on a winning side of a fucking argument? Right. Or, you know, like, yeah, what is it all for? It's like, what is it all for? What is it all for? Because I mean, like I'm still going to vote the way I'm going to vote. I'm still yeah. going to believe what I'm going to believe no matter what news, you know, I still look at news sources, but I, I just, I don't get involved in the conversations like I used to. I don't get involved. I mean, online mm-hmm. is, you know, is crazy. Um, <laughs> just trying you know, I, that was the big turnoff for me. That's why I don't really go on Facebook anymore. It's just, I yeah. just can't get past just everybody wanting to be, everybody's, everybody's got to be right. Everybody's, it's, you know, it's, it's either you're with them or you're against them. There's no middle of the road. Like I look at some people on the left and I think, you know, they, you know, they got a good point, you know, yeah. a lot of bullshit, but they have some good points. And on the right, they have some good points, but there's a lot of bullshit also. And it's like, yeah. but it's like, you can't, there's no middle ground, you know, they don't allot us a middle spot. That's no, okay to it's be in. You're on this extreme. You're that extreme. It's like, yeah. you know what? I'm, you know, I just check out and. I just want to hunt, I'll, I'll man. I'll do my thing. Yep. I, I just, just want to hunt. hunt. You're like, I just want to hunt. And, and, then, and then you get on, you know, it's the same thing. I've got a, in an argument one time with this guy, and it's like the reason, you know, just another stupid thing to just get your blood going or whatever, just get you worked up over absolutely nothing. But I got in an argument with this guy on Facebook one time about uh, Deer Burger and about how, I <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's fucking stupid, but how you can't, you have to add fat to your deer burger to to cook it right Mm -hmm. it's like you have to add fat and i'm like no you don't like i was like i i I never add fat it's just you know a lot of people do it butchers will do it without you asking but it's like i know tons of people that grind their own burger and never and and don't use fat i never use fat i've never added fat to my deer burgers like if i wanted to eat beef fat or pig fat i would eat beef or pig yeah like I don't want that in my venison. I go venison, so get hunt deer, so I can have pure venison, not beef in my venison or pig mm-hmm. in my venison. And this guy's just like, well, you must have, you know. I just started going off about how you can't cook. My my burgers are falling apart. Like just all this, <laughs> like stupid shit, right? And I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'm not telling you how to cook your burger or how to make mm-hmm. your burger. All I'm saying is you don't have to use fat. And yeah. I guarantee you, there's a lot of people out there that would don't even know that you don't have to put that fat in your burger. Like they just do it because that's just how it's always been that done. People have been doing it for 150 years yeah. or whatever. Right. And I'm just like, and there's a lot of people out there that would actually rather enjoy having their venison burger without fat in it. Mm-hmm. They just don't know that they can't do that. They because, don't know that's an option. Right. Cause everybody tells them, yeah, you have to put fat in there or it's going to fall apart. And it's like, well, no, it doesn't. Like, yeah. Not if you, but you know, but it's just like stupid shit. getting an argument over deer burger and it's like it got my blood pressure all up and you know I'm it was just I get all worked up over it and I yeah. was just like god that was so stupid like 
what was the point of that? Like, yeah. other than I was just trying to, you know, maybe help a few people out that, you know, don't want to have beef fat in with their <laughs> burger. Like, but this guy just wanted to argue about how you have to have it. And, it's a necessity. Yeah. Your burgers are going to fall apart. It's never going to work. <laughs> but, yeah. So, anyway, I just try and try and free myself from all that stupid shit. I don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. Instagram's about the only, uh, is the only social media I pretty much do. And I'm getting sick of Instagram. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting place. <laughs> that's for sure. It is. It is. There's, uh, there's, there's some, there's some good in there. You're but, slowly picking it away, though. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to be looking for, you know, I mean, you got to be looking for yeah. what you want. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely, there's always all kinds of bullshit coming up, and mm-hmm. I try to ignore it. Ignore it. The most I can. And I just look to, I, li- I like memes. I mean, I really just, memes are my safe haven lately, <laughs> and I just can't not stay away from memes. Right. Yeah. But even then, usually they're like somebody's opinion and politically <laughs> motivated, and it's just like that's just somebody's opinion, like you know. Yeah. For sure. Get all worked up over a meme, you know. Yeah. A meme or yeah. Mimi. Mame. 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 <laughs> the French call them mame. <laughs> right. Cool. So, back to nocturnal deer. They don't exist. And then we'll wrap this up. Because the mosquitoes are fucking... Yeah, there's a few of them out here. Terrorized. I, I mean... The, I wish the mosquitoes would go nocturnal. I wish... <laughs> I ran to my truck and got us bug spray at one point during this. And You don't want to use the bug spray. No, it's not organic. It's not organic <laughs> bug spray. But that's okay. They were bad for like... Like, they're everywhere. Yeah, this is nothing. Once the sun went down, like... Yeah. Tucked in there. It's like mosquitoes are out. Well, we'll talk about the nocturnal bucks then real quick while we're we're on the subject since we've discussed it a few times in the past. Yeah. I just think it's just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just think it's, it's funny that, uh, nocturnal bucks. This will be, this will be our dead eye minute. Oh, this will be our dead eye minute. Okay. Yeah. Well, just for the record, I don't believe in nocturnal bucks. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, (laughs) it's, <laughs> I don't even know where to go with this, but it's just, I feel like, oh, I was out hunting and then yeah, all my bucks just turned nocturnal on me. All my bucks just turned nocturnal and I'm like, cause all of a sudden they're only getting trail camera photos of them at night or they just only see them at night. They don't, you know, when they're driving, I guess, or that, you know, they just, yeah. they're not seeing anything during the day. And so they just automatically assume that these deer have gone nocturnal and, I the just, only I way just, you're going to find them is in the middle of the night. Yeah, they give up. Well, I mean, then that's the thing. At that point, if you if you believe a deer is gone nocturnal, you're admitting defeat. Yeah, that deer just won. Yeah. Like he just he just got into your head and, and fucked you. He fucked you. <laughs> now you're going to plan B or C or D or, or whatever. Or you're going home. Yeah, or you're going home because yeah. the deer have gone nocturnal. And I don't know. It's just cop a funny out. thing. I always <laughs> cop out. Or whatever it is. I mean, there's definitely times of years. Or time time of the year when they're you know moving less during the day, but they're still up during the day. They're still they're still moving just because you don't see them, just because they're tucked in some timber, or they're in the shade, or you know, it's just 
a funny thing that people are always blaming <laughs> deer going nocturnal and it's just like deer are not nocturnal like they're just not a nocturnal animal yeah they move around at night some but they're just you know yeah they're not a possum yeah. you know they're not a they're just not a nocturnal animal Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just get a kick out of it when people blame blame deer going <laughs> nocturnal on why they can't find them or why they're not seeing anything. And I, I it's just a, a mental a mental fuck when you think a deer's gone nocturnal and you just yeah you can't it. find it during yeah. the daytime. Yep, you give up on it. It's like forfeiture. <laughs> yeah, you You're basically done. yeah you've you've given up at that point and you know or that or you're just waiting for that you know. That's the other thing. People are always waiting for that that perfect storm, right? Mm-hmm. To 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 get the deer moving. They're they're not moving. You got to get a storm. Oh, that storm already came through. It was a cold morning, and they migrated into yeah, the lower must, country. Yeah, they must have migrated they're already. Ex- overnight, they're gone. I didn't see anything. Yeah, they did their nocturnal migration. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a funny thing. I always the amount kinda, that I've heard that shit though. Like, I mean, how would you even really truly know? I mean, like, yeah. unless you got a GPS on a deer and you're like... Physic- on a bunch of deer. On a bunch of deer. On and a you're, bunch of deer. you're sitting there monitoring their every move, how mm-hmm. many steps they're taking. You know, how do you how do you know? Like, well, I've, I've sat at snow lines. You know, the, the early snow will hit. And we'll get six, you know, six inches to a foot. And sit on the snow line. And I'll find bucks. And as soon as the snow disappears, four or five days, they're way, they're just right back where they were, you know, ten days earlier. They didn't migrate yet. The snow didn't push them out Dude, of the high country. Sometimes deer just move. Like yeah. They just flat out move a mile, two well, miles. Not like only that, but we're talking about a migratory herd that's migrating 10, 15, 20 miles to get to where they're going to have their summer range. Right. You know, and I'm doing air quotes on summer range. You know, so you're dealing with a migratory animal, like, it's always moving. It's always going to be just, it's never going to really be exactly how we want it to be. Right. Is what I'm saying. And deer, I feel like, are so, they all have their own personalities. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, I I spend a lot of time thinking about stupid shit like this, but like. Me too. Like deer personalities, right? And what, what causes one deer to use the same bed day in and day out like clockwork versus one that will never use the same bed twice in his life mm-hmm. you know it's just it's just a product of their environment i feel like and how they grew up you know and how some deer are just don't give a shit you can walk by 20 yards from them 30 yards from them and they just sit there and stare at you and let you walk by and one sees you from 500 yards away and on a ridge gone. and he just jumps up and he's gone he's not fucking around yeah and I just I feel like you know it's just a product of how they how they grew up you know like it could yeah. be that that deer that just jumped up when you're 500 yards away and took off running you know that deer could have been terrorized when he was a fawn he might have just been you know just fucked every every which way he turned he had a coyote on his ass or a bear or something and he just learned to get so paranoid skittish and, and skittish and that's how he learned to grow up versus this other deer that let you walk by him at 20 30 yards and didn't care like that deer could have just skated through the first couple years of his life, you know, just slipped through the cracks, you know, just never hardly ran into any predators, just not many people, not many people. Mom, maybe you'd raised him in a different area with, you know, it just, you never know. Like, yeah, 
what these deer go through every day on a daily basis from when they're the grind of wildlife yeah from when they're a fawn to when they're you know six eight years old nature you know, is metal yeah everybody you know you just think about people and like how much people's you know environment how they were raised and how much it affects them and mm-hmm. it's just i really feel like deer the same way and that's just why there's just so many you know just deer are just so crazy that's why you never get it figured out right because yeah. they just it's just a mad fucking scene out there in the woods going on with predators and you know and how they live their lives and how they interact with them and you know and you know i feel like some deer you may jump them out of you know some people jump a deer up out of their bed and they take off running and they think well i'm never going to see that deer again you know right and the next day there he is right back in the same fucking spot and you're like yeah the hell is he thinking well my m14 buck that's that's you know m14 meaning the rifle m14 that i shot i jumped him and was like god what year is 2012 maybe i jumped him and he ran away and i was like i'll never see him again and was 200 yards from where i jumped him and found him the next morning and drilled his ass like the devil yeah biggest biggest buck i've ever seen in my life in idaho i shot and missed and he was right back in the exact same spot the next day i just it got from a different vantage point to watch and i fucking blew my mind this thing was he was huge what is he doing there but yeah i'm like <laughs> i mean that just totally opened up my eyes to like you know yeah being more open-minded about anything and just right. not thinking oh he's going to be gone it's just like i mean half the time they will be gone but you know sometimes, sometimes they won't you know who's to think who's to say that that deer didn't you know the you know that deer any other deer you jump out of his bed and takes off running he thinks he won yeah. right he caught you he picked you off before you saw him and he got away and he's just like shit that was a good spot you know like mm-hmm. that's why he that's why he was there that's why he went back yep exactly because he knew he had a better chance to you know stay a alive chance of of detecting anything coming around and being able to get back out of there yeah you know he might not come back that day he might be a couple of days later or you know, that, that deer may not come back within five miles of that place again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, right. You never know. Right. So it's just a crazy, it's a crazy thing. And you just got to keep, keep, keep hammering. You yeah. know, just yeah. shit's going to show up. And it's just like that guy, that, that new record, uh, archery buck, that dude shot in Colorado. I, that buck, that guy just it showed up out of nowhere. That out of nowhere. Said, yeah. Out of nowhere. He'd hunt, been hunting that basin for years and years. He'd never seen that deer before. And there it was. He would scouted the hell out of it, never saw it anything. It wasn't until like halfway through the hunt that that deer just showed up. Yeah. It's like, where the hell did he come from? You know, did he get, was he, was he just one of those deer that just constantly was roaming and just never settled anywhere or just mm-hmm. was always moving or get pushed out of another basin, two basins away because of you know you just yeah. you never know and that's why if you're out there and you know you're just not seeing anything or you're not seeing what you want just you know just keep after it yeah you never know what the hell is going to happen what's going to show up or right yeah there's a, a buddy of mine was hunting in nevada and they were trying to find this one buck and uh couldn't find it couldn't find it couldn't find it and they were on this buck all year long all year they were on this buck season ends late archery season opens and a different unit as a crow flies 25 miles away 
this buck turns up at a taxidermist. And they go over there and they're like, they talk to the guy who killed it and they're like, where'd you find this buck? He's like, well, I shot it in the archery unit. They're like, no, you didn't. We've been on this buck 25 miles away on this mountain range. How'd you shoot it over there? And they're like, I, that, I swear to God, here's the pictures. Here's, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. Here's all the evidence. And that buck had just moved 25 <laughs> miles away to a different mountain range. And it was that simple. Yeah. You no, know? I, I believe it. We. I don't think we know shit about deer, really. And yeah. What they'll do and... Where they'll move. Where they'll move and How far and... they'll move in a night. You know? Yeah. In the afternoon. Yeah. No, I would... I feel like if I had to do things all over again i would i would love to have been a wildlife biologist and to how be much fun would that working be? on uh just migrations would be yeah and just deer movement any of that like that's all fascinating to me i yeah. could i could really get into that that would be <laughs> that would be a lot of fun just trying to figure out you know where they're going and what they're doing and when and why and yeah i mean it would take a lifetime of research to just get started on it but instead but yeah, that would be if I had to do it all over again. That's that's, that's where you'd be that spending the time. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's the stuff that really interests me. So no, it's cool hearing stories like that. Yeah. Well, shit, Doug. We just spent a good two hours. Yeah, that was way longer than <laughs> what you were expecting. <laughs> what you wanted? Yeah, it always goes by so fast. Yeah. Right. I know. Nobody probably wants to listen to two hours of. You're mistaken, Shit, but <laughs> you're mistaken. I promise you. But thanks again. Thanks for having me come up here. Usually we're down oh. at West Coast Archery. Oh, thanks for and, coming up. You know, I had the opportunity to come up here today and talk to you at, at your house. And uh, the creek's looking great. Everything is beautiful. I love the house. Another twenty years, I might have it dialed in. The work, the work. I mean, the work that you did all winter long is amazing. You know. Yeah, we're. We're enjoying it. It's our just our little little cabin, but we're trying to make it as cozy and yeah. comfortable. And Who knows? Maybe I'll move in down the street. You never know. <laughs> we might be getting a tiny home here pretty soon too. Oh, really? Yeah. For you guys? No, just for a uh, uh, spare. Oh, but up here. Unit? Yeah, like right here where like we are. Right here. Yeah. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah, it'll be cool. I have like an extra little small guest house. Guest house. Granny yeah. unit. Exactly. Pretty much what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's rad, dude. So That's that'll right. be fun. Get that all hooked up and buy a home. They said, <laughs> "Dude, it's yeah." I I know why people rent. Yeah, I've uh, I've never really rented before, but yeah, they, I can. I'm conflicted, some... dude. I'm conflicted. I've owned my home for coming into eight years, and now with everything that's going on, you know selling my house and you know figuring something else out and like do i want to buy another home do i not want to buy another you know i think about how much more time i'd have to scout and hunt and shit if i didn't have six acres and yeah all this crap to keep up with here it would yeah oh man I'd, i'd be i'd be bored probably but yeah yeah but see i mean at this yeah 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 i know it's it's i love just coming out and just being able to walk around the property and check out the, the orchard and the creek and <laughs> watch the deer funnel through. And, right. Yeah. 
it's no it's totally worth it cool man well thank you again very much mm -hmm. i appreciate thank it you. that's a wrap thanks for tuning into the show folks if you'd like to check us out online our website is www.theflipflopguide.co you can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.